Hi everyone, Andy here. Just want to let you in behind the scenes somewhat. Uh, what you're about to hear is myself, Martin and Terry recording our remote, remotely recorded podcast. Now, it's something I never really wanted to do for a couple of reasons. One, quality. Now, it is possible to sound like you're in the same room, despite the fact you're not. Um, however, you need all the same recording equipment in multiple locations. All your files have to come in and blah, 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 blah. The long and short of it is, from a logistical perspective, you're best off just recording through the phone lines, which means, inevitably, everyone starts talking like this. And from a sound perspective, I find that really off-putting as a listener. So I never wanted our podcast to sound like that. To Terry's credit, he always came up from London and recorded so we could be in the same room together. So I was always proud of the quality that we output. At least the sound, maybe not the content. Um, So tonight, we got together because we have no other option, remotely, and recorded. To that end, remote recording presents a few issues. One, as I said, the sound quality. But two, it's more of a case of what you take for granted in a conversation that you cannot when it's remotely recorded. Visual cues that you take from each other to find that someone's finished their point are something you really do not notice until it's gone. So what you end up finding is long pauses. The same way that you sometimes come to one of those mini roundabouts and everyone's paralysed with not knowing who's to go first. That's kind of how it ends up being on a podcast. And then sometimes everyone goes at once. I have tried to remove unnecessary pausing through editing. But, you know, there's still going to be some in there. Anyway, that's enough about the quality side of things. A big thanks to Terry for spending some time with his old mates. I'm sure he wouldn't want thanking, but nevertheless, I'm going to. And massive thank you to Steve for coming on the podcast. He gave us at least another extra hour of content. Absolute legend. Uh, Probably could have got two, maybe even three podcasts out of all the content we had today. But why not put it out? It's not like anyone in the country has anything better to do right now. So I really hope you enjoy it. And I suspect this will be up before the next two pods that we reference in the pod. But I will get those up as soon as possible. So in conclusion, stay safe and we'll see you again soon on the other end of this absolute mess we're living through at the moment. Enjoy! Welcome to the Nerdy Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today. Well, actually, not with me, but whatever, Mr. Martin Theobald. It's my new entrance music. Right. I was torn between that and Flyby by Blue. Uh, okay. And uh, Mr. Terry Chapandama. 
Oh Lord. I don't know if you two were, were still chatting then. As a way. I I really no, no, hope that um, that hasn't that sound quality hasn't come across as poorly <laughs> as it did through <laughs> the earphones that I've got. It just literally sounds like a load of noise like Well, I can sing it for people. Well, we've already had a glimpse of your singing. It was fabulous earlier. As if people aren't suffering enough already. <laughs> uh so I have no agenda in front of me. This is not a first because I know I've been badgered into that before, but it's um it's going to be down to well I know Terry can fill the time because he does it so wonderfully on his own podcast, um, which you do. Props for that. <clears throat> um, oh, no, thanks, <laughs> uh, Terry. You sent a picture of your setup. Why have you got like a homunculus bottle in front of you? I can't really figure out what that is. Mate, it's old Rosie. So I've got old Rosie. And then on the other bottle, it was my, my blend from last time. So I've got the cider, I've got my green tea with mint, I've got my green tea with jasmine, got some grenadine in there as well. <laughs> mate, it looks like you've got fag ends in there. <laughs> Keeping it real. Mate, they're tea leaves. <laughs> Have you never seen tea leaves before? No. They should be in a bag. My, my, na- my nan died a long time ago. <laughs> now, listen, I, I know someone sold you some tea leaves and they told you it was weed, man. Come on. <laughs> That's the university days. <laughs> so, how is I everyone... I need to get into my bag. I'm, I'm lucky dipping it, right? So, I've got a selection of booze oh, right, in my yeah. bag. So, I'm doing his eyes closed. God, it's... I really hope it doesn't sound like what I end up hearing it like, which is you just smashed a load of bottles on the floor. No, we've pulled out a Ruby Rooster. Ruby yeah. Ale. Right, let's go with that. Percentage? We'll start there. Someone sat in an office and said, let's call this Ruby Rooster. Why? I don't know, mate. Ask Lidl. <laughs> but made mine buy it, so obviously it wasn't a terrible marketing decision. Um, right, Andy, you know we're, gonna, we're both relying on you to keep this like to some kind of structure. You know that, don't you? I mean, yeah, of sorts. That's about the, the closest thing to a use that I have on here. So how, <laughs> <laughs> how are you two coping whilst you're locked down? That's it's really shitty, rules right Ooh. now. I tell you what, Martin, how are you coping? That's probably the most sensible thing to do. Um, I think I started all this with a bit of a laissez-faire attitude of let's just carry on, and then very, very quickly and swiftly, it's like mm, no, you can't really do that. You're not allowed social norms and whatever. But I played badminton last night, and I'm playing again tomorrow. And then they're shutting badminton centre, so I'm not playing at all after that. But yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? It's a really weird time. But it's like there's something around the corner, but no one really knows what it is. A big old dose of corona. Terry? The things I've learned, like Pornhub are really slow on updating whatever it is. Like <laughs> you know what? If you've if you've just got one clearly defined lane on Pornhub, yeah, and you're just hitting most recent, it's a really disheartening experience. So <laughs> That's what humanity's learned. That's what we've learned. So you end up, so, so, so you know what you do? You end up just going onto like the Russian side, hoping that they don't have the same copyright protection processes. And so you're like, I'm hunting for shit in Russian now. And you're just hoping that they've got something fresh. It's bad, man. Like, I feel, I'm, I'm, it's like I'm being a crackhead at pornography. It's, it's not a good look. We're only on day two. I can't, I can't be the only one. We're only on day two and you've completed the UK for <laughs> 
Because you know how it does that thing, right? Absolute scenes. You know on Pornhub, it does that thing. It goes recommended for you. Uh, no, I had no. to reset my cookies. Like, it, it got so toxic. I had to reset my cookies. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus you tried, Christ. Have you tried VPN in it to Italy? But it's the because same Italy. shit, just in a different language. No, no, because Italy, they've made Pornhub, um, like, Plus or Pro or whatever it is, the subscription version. They've made it for free for all of Italy while they're on lockdown. Wow! Oh, listen, they had that. that, that <laughs> I'm not even making this up. Valentine's Day. So yeah, they, they've made it free for everybody while the country's on lockdown. So if you can VPN into Italy, then you can get free premium Pornhub. Or hope for lockdown you're, you're, in England. We're playing dangerous games here, Martin. I mean, <laughs> you've just said that you've gone into Russian sites. This is no worse. Or you continue playing badminton until everyone's infected. We go into lockdown. Porn pl- ah, now I see why you're doing it. Now I see. That was your laissez-faire attitude all along, because ultimately yeah. you waited. knew what what you knew was what was at stake. I'll cash in at proper lockdown time. Still makes me still makes me chuckle every now and again. It pops into my head that I can't even remember in what context it was. It doesn't really matter. But it was someone's comment to something on Twitter that you relayed to me, which was, I'll be more fucked than a stepmom on Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> so Terry, has your biggest hardship been, you know, running out of porn? Listen, I can't listen. There, there are people listening to this, right? Then there are people out there right now. Who have just worn the skin off the shark? Let's let's, let's just tell the truth. It, it's just bare flesh with just flies and maggots and shit, and it's just like one more. You know what you just said, trying just to squeeze one, one more. more. Out. <laughs> is this is this one? Is a lack of toilet roll around the country? Just wiping up sperm, mate. I'm on thirty nine rolls. <laughs> he just got one absolutely rock hard sock that he's just using. <laughs> It's like a basic... Terry's got Terry's got thirty nine rolls. He had seventy on Monday. <laughs> it's absolutely minging. Oh. How long have we not had a podcast for? And then this is what we started within within eight minutes. With but well, probably about half of those eight minutes have been talking about some way about Terry wanking, which is <laughs> which is exactly what about how good the quality of uh, content it was we used to put out in the first place. So, But, but no, wait, wait, but let's talk about the supermarkets because I, I wrote this on Facebook earlier. This is the first time we've actually found out what people like to eat, right? Because when you look at the shortages, right, all, the, like, all that was left in the meat section, tripe. All that was left in the gluten-free section, everything. All that was left in the vegan section, everything. Which lets us know that, you know, Maybe people can tolerate gluten in a way that they didn't think they could. Power positive thinking. Um, what was it? Uh, all the pizza gone except for Hawaiian. That's that's. No one's touching that, are they? Yeah, I mean, there's that's... there's emergencies and then there's emergencies. I mean... I'd probably eat one of my pets before I went down that route. <laughs> but you can pull the pineapple off. No, you can't. It's polluted forever. Well, on the subject of supermarkets, it's probably a very poignant. Uh, opportunity to touch on if you're going out mass buying what are you allowed to take as a snack oh okay so I mean so are we suspending the whole hundred pound limit yeah we're in we're in different times now we're in a new world and where we previously had the the rule of one hundred pound equals something from 
you know, the, the bakery section, I think we need to reassess what is that limit now? Because although people's shopping spend might be going up, their desire is also going up. And I think all these nice, like if you work for the NHS, you should only have to spend a tenner to take a sausage roll. Okay, that's interesting. I wonder if if you can even apply the logic that there's a lot of people that are rushing in, buying stuff, rushing out. So they're just like pumping money into the into the supermarket like they would never do before. Like, and they're not even they're not even eating like testing out grapes or anything. So on mass, the supermarkets are making a lot more. So per person, you could bring that limit that hundred pound limit right down. Right, down. agree, and you're doing it. You're probably doing it more often as well. So if you're going in spending fifteen quid, you might be doing that every day. <laughs> but cum- cumulatively, cumulatively, that cost is still the same. Do you know what's going to happen? That once we finally tackle coronavirus, there's going to be a nationwide fucking epidemic of scurvy because all people are eating is pot noodles and tinned spaghetti from when they when they're <laughs> stocking up on all the dry food. And three sausage rolls from the bakery because they spent 15 quid. <laughs> so here's my NHS question, stuff. right? Like, everyone's sort of planning for the, the apocalypse and not leaving their house for the next six months. But, mate, there's condoms top to bottom. Like, no one seems to have gone, gone ham on the condom. <laughs> like, why? I've had the snip, that's why. I was going to say, I think you know why, Terry, to be fair. There's no way you can get a condom on a skin that raw. Because <laughs> if you're not shagging, we know what you're doing. Mate, just call it, call it a skin graft. <laughs> this will allow me to go on. It's like, basically, they're not condoms anymore. They're just synthetic fucking skin for the worn out oh, Pornhub generation. Like so you disgusting. know, at some point, they're gonna, you, you, you know people now are going to expect us to touch on something boxing related. Oh, oh bollocks, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Um, Terry, are you oh, working that's... are you working from home? Well <laughs> 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 Mate, I'm lo- I'm logged in. I'm willing to do whatever is required of me by my organization. Oh. Define work. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, well, we've all been sent home, right? So I'm now literally penitentiary rules where I'm in here 23 hours. I go out for an hour to exercise and buy food, come back, just doing push-ups in my, my living room. Penitentiary you know? rules. <laughs> walks to the front of the, uh, walks to the front of the door of his, um, with his pocket hanging out, just waiting for someone to, to become his bitch. But I tell you what though, on a side note, like, like females WhatsApping me, like, like the graph is just exponential at the moment. Like a lot of, a lot of things I left in the past, man. I think everyone's just getting lonely and you're just getting the, hi, you working from home, what are you up to? Nice. Was, what, 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 one response was simply avoiding you. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm struggling. Did you get a text off the coronavirus? <laughs> I don't know why. Nah, listen, I, yeah, I, I'll cough on all of them. You should have used it as an opportunity to try and bolster your, uh, your porn library, <laughs> given that Pornhub's letting you down. <laughs> No, no, no. They're, they're more OnlyFans than Pornhub, which is weird, isn't it? Here's the weird thing about life at the moment, right? You can get highly produced, high-quality pornography for free on the internet. And you get all... Wait, wait, bear with me. Hold on, guys. And you get these women on Instagram directing to an OnlyFans page where all they've got is a fucking phone camera and a bathroom mirror light. 
I'm, a, I'm paying five quid a month for the lower quality product. How does that work? <laughs> I honestly do not know. There's so many questions. There's so many questions and there's so many things that I don't know about everything you just said. Oh, dear. Wow. Wow. So, should we move on to something boxing related? Might as well. <laughs> if we must. <clears throat> so, finally, um, now people won't know this, but M- Martin and I actually have a podcast <laughs> to come out. Yeah, what have you done with it? Okay, right. You've been there. Cards on the table. I've just been, because this is ultimately because you wanted to tag on, roped off on the end of it, I've been too lazy. Um, but, uh, I mean, I'd like to say, you know, something got in the way or whatever. There's been other things this week, don't get me wrong. Um, but I've just, yeah, I'd, I've been, I haven't been attentive enough. So I've got halfway through editing roped off and I've gone, uh, yeah. So you've oh, never had more hours in the house than this week. No, this no. is bullshit. Hold on. I'm still at work. They have not closed down TFL. I'm doing oh, That's true, yeah. I, I'm still at work. I'll take it back. Sorry. <laughs> And it doesn't look like, I mean, I spoke to my boss today and he was like, uh, yep, yeah, t- tomorrow, get the lads away. Because I, I was off today, but I went shopping for my granddad. Anyway, that's a lot. But anyway, whatever. <clears throat> I, um, I spoke to my boss today, went, get the lads away tomorrow. We don't want to, we don't want to get any more exposure to any, anything that they possibly need. Right. Yeah. Brilliant. And then it was suddenly, right on Sunday, I was like, oh. Sunday's happening. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Get my, get the lads back in again. Get them exposed some more. So at the moment, it doesn't look like anything's changing, and I shall be at work through the plague. So whatever. Good. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Boxing. What's going on? Yeah. What's going on? Finally, it it stopped, didn't it? And in the what I was going to say is, in our podcast, we talk about the fact that it's still rolling on. It's still rolling. It shows on. how quickly things are moving. Yeah, that in the space of what three four days. Everything has changed. Yeah, I mean, but, but it's, it's super interesting, right? Because because they've moved the football season out, so it starts again on April thirtieth. So there's no Joshua fight at White Hart Lane because I imagine they'll still need the stadium. So what do you do with Joshua Pooler? You you can't rearrange it for the summer because, as Hearn has always said, July August are dead in terms of big events. So do you put this out for sale? I'm really intrigued but, to see if Hearn takes it to Saudi again. By July, August time, we're going to be gagging for something, aren't we? Like we're still going to have that appetite for sport. I don't see the Premier League season starting back what end of April. No, neither do I. I might be, I might be wrong. I might be miles off, but that seems ambitious. Yeah. But if you could fit in Joshua Pulev, you know, July time, and it all worked out, we're all going to be desperate, aren't we? Yeah, I think I, I really I, am. I can. I, I just want them to stop the season. I genuinely want the season to stop, and Andy will agree with me, because I just <laughs> want to know Liverpool don't win the league. Like, oh, this, is, this, is, this is how bad things had to go. Some mad scientist somewhere in the world had to create a virus to just stop Liverpool winning the league. It's just absolutely crazy at the moment in terms of the pain I feel about the football season. I'm just like, just stop it. <laughs> Well, I, well, I can't remember the, 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 argue, the argument of it's the only, the only fair way is to continue playing. Well, it seems fair to me to just end the season null and void it. What was the, what's the issue? What's the issue? Know, you lot might not agree with me. You lot, but in your head, you know you've picked out maybe two family members 
if it means Liverpool don't win the league. <laughs> oh, I have. Wow. I have. Well, two yeah, family members that. you're willing to sacrifice to the football god. Yep. yep. Mm. If it means yep. Liverpool don't win I'll, the league. I want two things to happen out of all of this. I want Liverpool to not win the league and I want Joshua to just fight once. Because I want to see Hearn sweating when those end-of-year numbers don't look the same as he thought they would. <laughs> well, I, the th- when you said about... The interesting thing you said about it going to Saudi... Um, I think there's a, the the other the other element to this is the fact that depends on how rich a country is, what tactics it employs, is obviously going to make a massive difference to how quickly we we they whatever country we're talking about get over this. And so, in places like such as Saudi, we might be ready to, uh, for example, to be able to allow Joshua to go ahead fighting by say June, but other countries may not and we still might have to reduce and very much reel in travelling because you could reinfect the population again so yeah but happens? conversely other countries might have recovered quicker that's true so, but but is there uh, i suppose there's there's a limit to where else you could have that fight isn't is there not is- mm, it depends who's got the money has china got the money china's coming out of it isn't they that'd be fucking brutal wouldn't it <laughs> <laughs> Wow. They've gone to all this effort just to get Joshua Pulev. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, yeah, I suppose, I, look, if Matchroom are that desperate, maybe they would. I don't know. It, sound, it sounds yeah. mental, but if someone said, you know, that boxing match, you can't have anywhere in your own country through through fear of it being an absolute damp squid in terms of a financial, you know, financial hit. But you can come over here and we'll triple the amount of money that it's definitely going to get. Yeah, maybe it will happen. Well, I bet there's a country somewhere that's willing to risk their, you know, their well-being to some level to say, yeah, we'll take it. I bet you there is. What, Terry, what, when we, when we spoke earlier, when you just said about uh, Matrim's financials come the end of the year, well, I want to open that up more broadly what implications did this have across boxing? I mean, we've spoken about it several times with Martin in terms of small hall um, and in terms of the, the, the promoters sort of scraping a living to some extent. What does this extended period of, of nothing do for the boxing scene at large? So, ladies and gentlemen, look, I want to be honest. Like, I want you to look deep inside yourself. For £3 a month, you can enable a small hall boxer to get access to clean drinking water, at least one meal a day, and a protein bar, right? That's how bad things are going to get very soon. So, you know, think about all these small hall guys that, you know, you love so much, and they're having a hard time with it right now. So, look, if you can donate £3 a month until this crisis is over, we can make sure people get fed. And I'm just playing. Look, it's, <laughs> it's bad in a lot of ways, Right. But if you're a small hall boxer and you've predicated your annual income on just boxing alone, then you're a sucker for that for a start, right? Because Agreed. you know that it's not lucrative and you should have a backup plan. And being a PT should not be your backup plan because, I mean, PTs are struggling right now, man. Like, they're all out in the street selling the big issue. The people I do oh. feel sorry for, I'm sorry, I feel give me the people I feel sorry for, right? I feel sorry for Andre Sterling and Dan Aziz because that was a legit fight that should have happened. And I'm hoping that it means that they get to fight on a bigger stage. So hopefully Eddie Hearn pulls a finger out of his ass 
and puts on a meaningful match from the show. I feel for Isaac Chamberlain. Jesus, can the kid get a break? You know, <laughs> Isaac's lost two shows now because of this coronavirus. So he's not going to box again until the summer, which makes life hard. And and so the list goes on. Ellie Scottney doesn't get to make her debut. And I was really excited by that. So I'm hoping what happens now is we reduce the number of shows that Herner planned for. And he just goes, I'm going to put all of these guys on the bigger cards I had planned because pay-per-view will clearly take priority. So but like he's already said happen. Kelly Avanesian will be merged into another fight somewhere. So that won't be a standalone show, the um, the Josh Kelly David Avanesian one. Which was dog shit as a card, like top to bottom, dog shit. Oh, yeah. I bet they're absolutely delighted that the fucking virus come around for that because probably sold about eight tickets. He's trying to say 5,000 tickets. And I was like, no, 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 no. The way these guys are still pushing tickets for sale, man, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you could fill your call at the moment. Yeah. But it's a massive, like, generally the the impact. I think we discussed this, Andy, on our one, so we may well be covering our ground, depending on if you ever get it out. We recorded that Sunday. This is going to get out before I'm going to split it. I'm going to split it. I'm going to put it out the same time as this. Why not? And then I'll then I'll just make another rope. To, I'll, I'll finish no, rope just, time. Just whack this one out. It's fine. I think we discussed it on our one, that football, for instance, is a high-demand sport. Sky, BT, Amazon... They're not gonna like. They're not gonna cut football off. So they're gonna keep some form of funding against the sport. Yeah. The sport will have to pay it back in time, and you know, fulfil its its duties. Boxing doesn't have that. Boxing's not gonna have a baseline income, and I mean that from the small hall probably through to the biggest of shows. Like, does Sky really care if they don't get Josh Kelly, David Avanesian as a, a fight night show? No. No, like they're not going to be paying a monthly, you know, almost retainer to boxing and to Hearn. Like they will pay per show. With football, you're paying for the whole of the rights for it. With boxing, I don't believe that there is that same baseline level of income that's put against the sport. And that goes all the way down to the small hall shows. You know, if there's no small hall show, then there's no income. And that could be crippling. Depends how long this goes on for. Like it could be crippling at, at many levels because it, it ultimately comes down to if you can't provide a product, nobody's paying for it. With football, you wait it out. You know, Sky still want to show the Premier League next season, even if this season is a washout. But isn't the difference, Martin, that with football, like if if Nathaniel Klein doesn't play, he still gets paid, right? But yeah. luckily, Sky can just go. Well, if we don't put on any shows, it doesn't really cost us much in terms of having to pay the fires. So actually your biggest overhead goes away. Yep. Will will Sky not be paying will have they not will they have not paid Matchroom up front for rights to their their fights. So theoretically then have whatever 5 10 15 shows outstanding on a co- contract that's already been paid. Well, the contract runs out in May next year. That's when the contract's up. Will they have paid that up front or will it be paid? Like, what I'm saying is, will this be enough for Sky to go, well... Is it a paper show? Is it enough for us? Can we walk away from this and actually we'll be better off? I I just wonder if that would happen or if they've got too much invested in it. Because we've spoken already about... Got nothing invested in it. So, I mean, them think we've spoken before about the potential of Hearn going to DAZN. If Sky think that is on the horizon, now do they go, well, actually, you know what? Cut our losses. And then drop him. Well, no, Andy, Andy, Eddie Hearn's going to the zone. Like, there's no, is he going? So 
I had I did an interview yesterday with with Donald Smith, which I think part one's out now. I don't know what time I said it for, but I think part one's out now. And one of the things, the theory I've got at the moment is this: the zone come into the UK and they buy up the BT non-boxing assets, and they say we need these rights in order to build a platform in the UK. They then get the, they pull their product back from Sky. They get Eddie Hearn. Sky now goes, we don't have Matchroom. And Frank just jumps over to Sky with ESPN. And then suddenly BT get out of a, a sector that they had no business in in the first place, which is boxing. Sky get their boxing content back along with really big American fights. And then Sky and DAZN go head to head and go, right, let's find out who's got what. You really think BT want to walk away from sport altogether? They've invested a hell of a lot into it. But it was, that was under the guise of a four-play system. So if we've got you coming to watch BT Sport, you'll get your broadband with us, you'll do this, you'll do that, and that hasn't worked out. So actually, this has become a massive noose around their neck because it's, it's a non-core asset. B, BT's real business is corporate communications in terms of the infrastructure that corporations use to, to trade, um, IP phones, all that stuff you see in offices. That's where BT makes its money, wholesale. It doesn't make his money on sport. So he could cut sports off and still carry on. But also, roll back what you just said there, Andy, about they've invested an awful lot of money in it. Have they? Well, like, Champions League rights, for example. Okay, they have into other sports. Have they in boxing? Yeah, I mean, I, I must confess, I don't know. I was using I was using football as a sort of like, if they were willing to kick the door in when it came to Champions League rights, I assume they've been pretty aggressive in like grabbing other sports rights that were previously held by other presumably other other broadcasters you don't think the zone would just pay them and go look we will pay you pro rata what's left on your contract i don't i'm not dismissing the the possibility of that but it only rings true if bt if bt genuinely want to get out of the game it would be like an exit plan for them oh yeah brilliant yeah like parachute out of here but i i wasn't aware that that was something they were looking to do. And given how aggressively they got into the market to start with, I then therefore assumed that it was something they would want to stay in for the long term. They're looking for a way out. So I know that from guys who work for BT, they're looking for a way out. As long, if, they can, if they can leave sport having broken even, they'd leave tomorrow. That's interesting. So maybe that is the case then. Maybe, maybe we do look at a future where you've got DAZN and Matchroom going head-to-head for... for I don't know, boxing dominant status in the UK, but what happens to boxing? Well, the zone would be matchroom. Sorry, I mean, but the uh, zone versus uh, Sky. Thank you. Um, but so, what happens to boxing below that? Does it just? It's what I said earlier. It's there MTK. is no income against it. I think MTK will end up on Sky. I'd be shocked if not. When Hearn jumps ship, which will be May next year, and I don't believe any element of doubt about that at all I believe he'll be gone whether they take the darts and the well no one gives a shit about the rest of the stuff the table tennis and the whatever happened to the gymnastics <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, and snooker um, was that still on BBC yeah, whether they take the whether they take the darts and the other products I don't know but the boxing will go and so at that point Sky have that void whether they take Warren you know Terry's fairly confident that they would no idea, but I'm confident that even if they took Warren, they would also be taking MTK because they've already started partnering with them in terms of the uh, the golden contract shows. MTK put on best shows, um, you know, people-wise, fight-wise, 
that aren't regularly shown on TV. Um, you know, their their shows they have such a a huge budget to put fights on and shows on. They put the best ones on. Can and I so just they... jump in for a second? I think one of the things I wanted to say, and for the people listening, I think one of the things we should do on this show, Martin Andy, is we should pat ourselves on the back as well because well we're what three point eight, three point nine years into doing this as a three. We've been fucking right about a lot of things, haven't we? You yeah, know? ignore the wrong ones, but <laughs> no, 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 but, but no, our, 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 our correct to incorrect ratio is insane. I remember and I was talking remember... about I was talking about coronavirus this time last year. I remember, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, 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 look, look, stop pretending, right? The government have told all ex-soldiers to get ready, haven't they? You're about to turn us into a military state. That's why you're still working. Yeah, that is it. I'm just doing martial ready. law. Yeah. Martial law with Whitey on the streets. <laughs> I think they're probably picking up. Can you imagine him walking around first. with Bear? <laughs> no, I really can't. <laughs> I'm like a some sort of lead with a wearing my full uniform and carrying a rifle. Yeah. 100% you would take the dog with you. But you're not the Bolton. He has to get an honorary rank. <laughs> um, but no, no, I want to touch on this MTK thing. I remember, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, I said something on the lines of the future of small hall boxing is small hall boxer in Manchester fighting small hall boxer from Birmingham at a small hall show in London. And you Steve did. said it could never work. And then MTK said, hold my beer. <laughs> and... And 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 no no and, and I know people go oh he's having a dig at Steve which I'm not for the record Martin if you see Steve tell him next time he's in London I'm happy to grab a beer with him you know let's all start again but I think my point with MTK was what MTK did is they solved the big inefficiency in the small hall market it was that you had big sellers in different locations and they never faced each other because it never made sense and now MTK have said now it does make sense. You know, you could get Hosea Burton versus Andre Sterling if things kind of play out that way. And I think that's been good because what it's done is it's, it's now said small hall boxers, there's a way for you to get big fights. And if you perform, there's a way for you to get on TV, be it Sky, be it BT Sport, which I think is good for the sport. So they, so, so the potential then after this, because of the situation that small hall has been forced into from a financial standpoint, that we could see almost i don't know almost like a a small hall union putting but putting small hall shows on in unison or as partnerships or as well, together no, M- mtk have negated that no mtk have negated that so mtk have said we're going to take a group of guys i'm going to just pick names at random here so someone like uh hosea burton right so hosea burton could do well enough in his golden contract that we go, well, I'd quite like to see Hosea Burton against Joshua Boatsy. Or I'd like to see him against Craig Richards. And that can now happen. So Hosea Burton would have fought a your call, the quarter semi-final, and then jump straight onto a Sky main event. Can I throw could... can I throw a fly in the ointment there? Yeah. Do you remember at the uh outset of this golden contract stuff? Yeah. The winner we were told was going to get a six-figure contract with a major promoter. Wasn't it six-figure purses? Oh, yeah, it might have been, actually. <laughs> it was six-figure purses. <laughs> I thought, what? Either way, 
Yeah, I want to see the receipts for that, similar to the uh, the Tyson Fury homeless person donations. <laughs> How similar many homeless people Fury, give receipts? Similar to the Tyson Fury wild boar receipts. That's what I'm after. <laughs> so I'm confident that... I need to slow down my drinking, the- man. Mate, I'm I'm about I think three quarters of a liter in. Nice. How how far yeah. we got before the, How far we got before another lucky dip, Martin? I've already gone back, but Terry was talking, so I, I chucked it in early. I picked out a Peroni. Oh right, this really is a random mix, isn't it? Yeah, you really yeah, are yeah. hopping across, man. Wow. No, so like Andy and I have got a. Uh, we can do a bit of a gaming session Saturday night with another mate. Um, mate. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, thanks, guys. Okay, <laughs> you're invited. You're invited. Real mates only. Real mates. Come along. <laughs> no, you're you're definitely invited. Terry. Are you a PS4 guy or an Xbox guy? Not that it matters, but does that have interest? We uh, clearly Pornhub Premium guy. <laughs> Wait a minute! Didn't didn't we have half an episode once where you debated getting a PS4? <laughs> oh yeah, and you were trying to get it, and it was like it was in. <laughs> It was getting shipped over via donkey or something. It was taking forever. <laughs> it came with coronavirus. <laughs> yes, it's, it's still quarantined. <laughs> but they're going to launch the PS5, though, aren't they? So I'm now sat like, do I just wait for the PS5? Well, you, you yeah, maybe it's Christmas you, time. Though, you right? probably want to. You probably want to wait until after the depression for the next two years. I <laughs> imagine you get some good offers in about three months, mate. <laughs> so. I've no idea where we were there. No, but, I've lost track of that. Um, golden contract, six bigger purses. <laughs> yeah, I'm not having. I'm not having that for a minute. Like you cannot tell me. Let's look at who's probably going to win them. Mahara Davis, oh, they're Isaiah Burton. Burton. They're two people that couldn't, didn't make the cut with match <laughs> Could could didn't. So, yeah. Ryan, no, I, I needed to reword that. If you feel the need to, yeah. Um, didn't make the cut with Matchroom. <laughs> for whatever reason, for whatever reason. So for Davis, you know, it was the whole falling out with Liverpool thing. And he got chucked under the bus. That's fine. I, I accept that entirely. But they happily let him go. And he went to Warren. And by all accounts, he's not set the world alight. Hosea Burton has pretty much been like just blackballed by Matchroom and nothing, nothing at all. Now you can't tell me that each of them is going to start getting six figure purses on the back of beating Tyrone McKenna. Can I, can I give you a theory on that? Go. I believe that the purses are real. I just suspect the boxers won't see all of it. They won't see the majority of it. Do you think the management fee might the management fee might be uh, high? I think it's very you know, you need really good management and really good management's expensive in order to get those six figure contracts. So you need real expertise, you know, real real heavyweight muscle in the management game to <laughs> to get a six figure purse. So it you, comes with cost. You need Rick Romman. <laughs> Best in the business. Right, I'm going I'm going back to the lucky dip. Oh, okay. This is... Oh. Jesus, it really does sound like a lot of smashing of glass. Well, it's another Peroni. That's all right. Okay. He's gone stable. Stable. I've just realised... 
Claire is set outside the uh, room that I'm currently sat in, so I'm going to have to give it up, I think. Give what up? The I'm podcast not... or the beer? The wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, we've covered um, effects on potentials for small holes. Uh, small holes. We've covered what might happen in the next 12 months of boxing. What happens in regards to the, the wider mechanics of boxing? As we've talked about before, um, there's a lot of things that, like, I'm just, I'm just going to spitball here. You've got Canelo, who won't fight on the 5th of May, or whenever it was, 2nd of May, or whatever it was. So that'll, that'll get mothballed. But will he therefore only fight when he fights in Mexican Independence Day or whatever weekend? What will happen with, um, mandatories going forward will there be special exceptions in in regards to okay you've got to drop this fight and then you, you will will Dillian White for example be the mandatory in 2021 or will that get moved because they'll make special dispensations for it all of this I feel is going to be a lot of it's going to be loaded with with maybe maybe some lobbying from certain parties what do we foresee happening as things start moving forward again and people start exploiting this situation for opportunities. Terry? I want to see people get screwed. <laughs> if you haven't defended it <laughs> by like end of March and you were due to, you should get stripped. Just seeing boxers climbing through other boxers' windows in isolation just so they can defend it. like just... Having an absolute straightener in their bedroom. <laughs> Um, right, yeah. So, Terry, what what do you see happening? What's what's you know? subject? So, it, it, it's that classic thing, isn't it? You know, like when when trains are late and you get that knock on effect. So, you know, the, there's just this massive logjam because it's not down to whether the fighters want to fight; it's down to whether the broadcasters can find slots to put them on. So, Joshua's got to be pay per view. Dillian's got to be pay per view. Chisora's got to be pay per view. So. If this gets pushed out to the end of May, you're trying to get those three pay-per-views in the second half of the year. And with all the build-up associated, don't forget Fury Wilder will be in the mix there at some point, so you want to avoid that noise as well. It's, it's looking hairy as hell for everyone. I just think financially, this is, this is the year a lot of people are going to have to just write off and hope 2021 is a better year. But it's, it's good in a way because if you look at what's happened now, the lack of like that churn of IFL and rodent TV and seconds out and behind the gloves, all, I'm glad that's all stopped. And what I want to see now for the next few weeks is Sky Sports is going into the archives. You know, let's watch Fox Groves too. Let's let, let's go back on some of these cars that we thought were great and let's watch them with cold, clear perspective because Sky have got the library to keep themselves going as of BT. So we don't have to watch fights that we don't care about. So I'm looking forward to that part of it while we go through the crisis. But yeah, but do you really want to play Fudge Groves? Do you want to play Fudge Groves too, and then come back to Josh Kelly, David Evanesian? <laughs> I think that's what's look needed. What, I think look at what you could have won. <laughs> but let's you know let's let's use this time as boxing to. To reflect on, like I said about this show, let's remember the times that we were right. You know, you know. Let's let's also praise the the Theobald crystal ball that said, you know, some people just might not show up. <laughs> what was that one? 
Yeah, that was the Manchester show, wasn't it? Or was it the Fowler fight where you were like, uh, my crystal ball told me this fight's not going to happen? Oh, shit, yeah. No, I've brought my crystal ball out multiple times recently. <laughs> it was the... Um, what's his name? Uh, Fowler versus... Whoever it was. Happened recently. Was Arnfield, someone like that. Wow. No, that, that wasn't the recent one, but whoever it was... Um, it's one of these Flatly. stupid things that I, I knew about the fact that Fowler wouldn't be fighting on the Saturday night against the named opponent, and yet Sky hadn't announced it. And you think, fucking hell, there were people out there that would have, for whatever reason, paid to go and watch Anthony Fowler. Yeah, that is a random choice, but yeah, I accept that no, that I, can happen. Yeah, and like, at least be honest with the people that have bought those tickets. Come on, man. Like, I knew about it three days before it got announced. Poor. Piss poor. So, okay, I realise that the, the original question I asked is quite open and it, it doesn't help you, but I just feel like, uh, help you to direct you in a way to answer it, but I just feel like people are going to see this crisis as also an opportunity and they'll try and exploit it in some way. Be that fighters that would rather get rid of a fight say if they don't want to do they don't want to fight a mantry against somebody would would joshua potentially walk away from his next fight in the hope that he can have a a different fight come the end of the year i i don't really know what i'm asking there but i just i'm trying well, to bob pick- aaron will never let that happen those mandatories are still going to be there they're not going to disappear because of this so the boxing schedule as it is just gets concertinaed. Is that is that how we mm-hmm. f- foresee it happening? Well, it'll be interesting. I think the benchmark will be Dillian White. And I say that because you go back and look at Mauricio Suleiman after they stripped Dillian White of the um, the mandatory after he failed, didn't fail, whatever you want to call it, the, uh, the UCAD test. And then he didn't fail the non-failed UCAD test. And at that point, Suleiman said, oh, yeah, you can have the mandatory status back and it will happen by, is it February 2021? Yeah. Okay. So where does that now sit? Yeah, well, that's the odd thing. That was kind of, I guess, in the realm of what I was asking because how long was it before he was he was. He was said to have failed the test and then didn't fail the non-failing failed test or whatever the fuck it was. Uh, it was what? Six weeks and that. Yeah, and in that space of time, they went, no, nah, you're not the mandatory anymore. Decided to announce another mandatory instantly or whatever they decided to do. And then when he came back again, even he said, it's like, well, I expected to get put straight back to the mandatory status again. They went, nah, can't do that, mate. I know that we make the rules our own rules, and we can change them whenever we want, but it's just this time we can't, so therefore... Well, you should have sued them then, if it was that kind, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, this looks to me, this because this is such an unprecedented event, this looks to me like something that will end up being scenarios such as that. Oh, I can't fight you because of coronavirus. What? what? That doesn't make sense. Well, see you in court. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that. I feel like... If you've got already got um, questions about the football, how the football's going to get resolved 
over the, you know, the, it, nobody seems to want to budge as to how they're going to free up the football calendar. Well, we have to finish it. Well, we can't start it late. Well, you have to do something, guys. I just feel like with, with boxing, there's going to be a point where somebody goes, nah, actually, you know, it'd be really convenient for me if... Like, It'll be interesting because Dillian won't want to give up that mandatory position for February 2021. And as much as the whole world might accept coronavirus has put us back however many months, will Dillian accept that? No idea. So he's due to fight Fury, or on the assumption that Fury beats Wilder. The winner of the Fury-Wilder rematch, rematch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that actually doesn't put much... That That's not much pressure on that particular mandatory, is there, really? Because theoretically the Wilder Fury fight could go back a few months you could still have the fight then have a break and then have plenty of time as a run up to February am I right? When was that scheduled for? Was it June, July? Yeah I believe so it was June, it was June July time that's what I remember. It could still happen Yeah admittedly it could do but even if it has to get put back say two months you've still got time to have that fight and then drop off and then have some time for a build up before the Dillian White fight but like Billy Joe Saunders Canelo, how does that affect Jazoma about to launch in the UK? Now they don't fight have doesn't to, happen. Now that flagship fight doesn't happen. Does does that's Canelo not happen? I, I never believed it would happen. No. So does Canelo just ride off into sunset and wait until October or whenever it is? September Golovkin, December Murata in Japan. Make more money doing those two fights than he would Billy Joe and Golovkin. So Billy Joe will be left on the sidelines again, and then Eddie Hearn will scrap fight because that's the only two fight those two have. Because if you think about Hearn, Hearn's Pinsford. Once Billy Joe becomes available, you're like, okay, Callum's got to fight someone who has name recognition in the UK because globally, no one gives two shits about a man who beat George Groves with one arm and all that. Ugh. Yep, I don't care. I, I just don't care about Gallagher fighters in general. So you're left with Billy Joe or the John Ryder rematch? Which were you going to make more money with? I think John Ryder beats him the second time around, being honest with you. So I'd like to but I'd like to see him fight Billy Joe because I think they're roughly contemporaries in terms of you know, age and amateur experience. Those two guys overlap each other a lot. Let them fight. Okay. Right. Moving on then. Andy, cover anything between our last episode and this episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right then. That's an interesting one. I mean, I have listened to your podcast on the wilder fury fight but you know me i like to talk about i like to talk about fury full stop um go and subscribe to highfield boxing if you listen to this on our channel because i think we're going to put it on both go and subscribe to highfield boxing and go back and listen to it man it is it is very good uh terry what does wilder do differently in the rematch with fury so my frustration with wilder in probably the last 18 months is he's almost started to listen to the, the critics and the pundits and the experts. And with every fight, Wilder's become more and more conventional. And I think that's played into Fury's hands because the Wilder that iced Stavern, go for it, mate, let it out. Nice. Thank you. That's like an, mate, that's like an exorcism. <laughs> so I tried to move it. I tried to move it away from my phone. Fuck off. Did you try and reel that in? <laughs> no, so, no. So, if you, 
so, so if you look at if you look at what Wilder's done since Deverne, right? He's become more and more conventional. He's become more risk averse, and that played into Fury's hands in the second fight because the Wilder we remember just let his hands go. Whether he was on balance or on off balance, it didn't matter. So as he became more conventional, it was easier for Fury to read what he was doing. And if Wilder is going to win, he almost has to just go, I can't outskill this guy. I don't have any tactics that are going to just, you know, fucking confuse Tyson. So all I can do is just jump in that ring and just box as if I'm listening to Martha and the Vandellas or Diana Ross and the Supremes and just wherever I feel like, just let the hands go. Is this on the basis... Is this on the basis that if he if he doesn't even know what he's doing, then Fury can't possibly know what he's doing? Exactly. But if you're just going to be a one-two guy and you're going to be like, you know, skirting around the perimeter of the ring, Fury's seen all of that before. And I, I think agree. I said it on the podcast. It's been a massive failure on Team Wilder that they weren't prepared for the best version of Fury. But the hell have they been doing their whole lives? You know, that's what happens when people get lazy. And, and you guys know what I'm like. Trainers are my bugbear. You know, people like to take the credit. There was some idiot. I don't know who it was. Jesus. Uh, Derek Cooper. I'm going to name him. Derek Cooper said this the day before the fight. Jay Diaz is a trainer that doesn't get the respect he deserves. Day after that, Derek Cooper wasn't there to answer (laughs) the challenges I came back with. Jay Diaz is an absolute clown. You know, for Mark Breland to be considered subservient to Jay Diaz is everything that's wrong with boxing right now. I'm going to shout out Derek Cooper. I like Derek Cooper. He does some brilliant photoshopping. (laughs) He does. He does. Better than yours? A hundred times better than mine. That still doesn't make him very good. Do you remember when um, Matchroom were looking for an MC? Yeah. And they ran that fucking competition that whoever won it, is still the substitute for the homeless American guy. It was a black dude, wasn't it? Hi, and welcome to Matchroom Boxing! Um, (laughs) (laughs) Greatest hits. Yeah, but Derek Cooper put in an effort to Matchroom Boxing, which was phenomenal. So, I'm, I'm not not on my parish can I have a bad word spoken about Derek. But that Jay Diaz thing, man, he's got to hang himself for that one because, you know, Jay Diaz right. showed that he's an absolute clown. Wait a minute. I'm back in the lucky dip section. There we go. Smash bottles. What we got? Corona the again. Amber Adler. Oh, there we go. 4.3%. 4. Carry oh, on. This is going to get messy, isn't it? So, Sorry, yes. I don't, Terry, I don't know if I've, I'm going to interrupt your flow here. Um, so feel free to carry on and, and save this question for later if I have. But did, did you support the uh, did you support the decision to throw the towel in? Yeah. Like, so if, if I'm in Wilder's corner, I'm looking at it going, I don't know what's wrong with you right now, but you're in no position to defeat this guy. We've got another match in the contract. Forget this. There's a towel. We'll live to fight another day common sense protect your asset at all costs yeah I agree. I, it, it reminded me it, to, I mean to a lesser extent admittedly but it started to remind me of the Eubank Nick Blackwell fight in as much as like there was no way that it 
Wilder was going to win. Admittedly, Wilder has that that get out of jail free card punch potentially, but it didn't. There was no evidence to suggest that he was going to be able to dip into the well to to pull it out. When watching the Eubank Blackwell fight, I wish someone had thrown the towel in then, and just to see that towel go in, I I, I sort of looked at it, I thought mm, that's I never I didn't expect it to come in, but when it did, I thought actually that seems like a sensible decision. For whatever reason, let's go back. Let's go back a second, right? And let's actually just talk about before the fight. Wilder was literally in his changing room like he had half an hour to get to his 10,000 steps for the day. And I was watching this going, <laughs> Jesus, like, how much energy are you burning off? And, and no one told him to sit down, right? And then you're watching his video clip and there was like, I don't know who his mate was who was just hopping around as if he was fighting. And you're looking at Wilder and you're like, I don't think you've really planned this from end to end. Because if you saw that ring entrance, it looked like they just decided it while he was wrapping his hands. Yeah. Uh, it, everything about what Wilder did in the build-up to that fight looked like a shambles. And everything that Fury did in the build-up to that fight looked like it was planned to the T. I need to pull you up. The ring. Terry, I need to pull you up, by the way. On, um, on your podcast, you were saying about the corner team should have got the uh, the fight called off after three rounds because of the uh, the cut. The ear. Well, it wouldn't matter because that, that rule only applies if it's an accidental cut. Uh, that wasn't well, accidental. No, it, it wasn't even a cut, was it? It was more... I think what I said in the podcast was I would have got the doctor in because I'm either going to get the fight stopped or I've got two minutes or two or three minutes for that doctor to check that that's not brain fluid leaking out and while they can just fucking get his shit together. Yeah, I think it's, I agree with that element of it, but I think uh, I think the point at the time was that you could get the fight essentially cooled off and then go again another day. But that wouldn't happen. You you would have essentially lost the fight. I don't know if I said that. That might have been rodent social. I don't know. <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> I'm going to cough on that motherfucker. Do you remember when uh, when we stopped doing the podcast? We got loads of questions about whether we fell out, all of us. Oh, did, nah, we? did we fuck? Did we yeah. hell, man? Like, I, no. I don't know why that was a... Well, I guess, you know, if, if people stopped doing it. I just want to clarify. Like, no, we fucking didn't. No, you, no, I'll be honest to, with you. They're bound to speculate. People are bound to speculate about that sort of stuff, aren't they? No, but, but I genuinely think if you had canvassed us three in the summer and said... Do you guys all need a break? At various points, we'd have all said, do you know what? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Yep. agreed. I think that's and, and you you more than anyone else, because you're the one that did the traveling every single Sunday. Yeah. And, and it's mad now just having Sundays where I just wake up and go, oh. Time to wank over Pornhub. Mate, look, I'm, I'm going over to Kew Gardens when I'm having breakfast at Antipodea at 9.30 in the morning. You know, I get my scrambled eggs with smoked salmon. You know, just relax. No, that's awesome, man. Well, you didn't have to get here at 10 o'clock in the morning. You still could have done that when you were doing the podcast. <laughs> Just standing outside my front door, shadow boxing for six hours until I opened the door. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just to clarify to anyone that did worry or wonder, no, we didn't fall out. No, it was... <laughs> it, it was just that, you know, we all had a bit of burnout and ultimately we, once Terry had taken that decision to to just chill for a bit, um, Martin and I kind of 
suffered the same fate in the end. It was just we suffered a bit of burnout and we weren't putting our best foot forward. Oh, we've had a we've had a dropped connection. I'm getting a beep beep from Terry. Well, yeah, and you know, Terry went on to do better things and we went on to be two 37-year-old males putting on stupid voices. Yeah. Who then, when we reconnect with the guy that's doing <laughs> a genuinely good podcast, the first thing we start talking about is fucking Pornhub. We've dragged you back down. We've dragged you back down, Terry. Oh, he's gone. He's, still, he's double gone. Let's see if we can get him back. This is podcast gold. Like, we just literally finished talking about not falling out and then he just instantly hangs up. Now nah, I've had enough of this shit. Yeah. Not again. Uh, Jesus. What the hell happened there? He's back. From outer space. I don't really know. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, you lot, hold on a second. Let me get myself together. Well, I'm no. still here. No. I'm still here. Right, cool. We're back in the game. What happened there? I don't know. It, it just told me that you were uh, disconnected and then you were reconnecting and then you didn't. We were discussing falling out and then you left us. <laughs> I, no, I think <laughs> it's one of these weird things. I think people always try and look for, for edges and gossip and stuff like that. But you have to remember what we tried to do. And I think we pulled it off. We wanted to wanted to make a podcast that sounds as good as everyone else's, but we kept it as truthful and as honest as we could. And that's how we grew. Now, if you think in the time that we started this, we've seen everyone jump in on this now. And I don't think they've ever given people the degree of honesty. Chris Dixon does it every so often, given his due. That, that rawness where people can go, I understand the sport a little bit better having listened to that. Yeah. And that's what we try to do. And Martin, you'll know this. Andy, you'll know this. It takes a lot out of you to deliver that on a Sunday. It does, man. Yeah. And like, we've all got different commitments. Terry, you've got the Fitzroy Lodge commitment. I've got family commitments. <laughs> Andy, you've got smashing your missus commitments. <laughs> I knew something that would seemingly seem trivial would come along my way. No. What are you going to propose? <laughs> What, I'm, 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 I'm uh, sorry, Terry, you're breaking up, mate. Um, let's move on to. <laughs> um, uh, to be honest, I I know what you mean, Martin, in terms of like take. Oh, sorry, Terry, rather taking it out of you because, like, especially towards the end of the podcast or towards the end of the podcast of us three, going to work every night and sm- after smashing out a two-hour podcast, that was that was wearing <laughs> at times. <laughs> So it's not to break tradition, I'm going for a piss, by the way. Oh, excellent. Okay. I um, can take the uh, phone uh, or not well, take the phone, I don't mind. We, no, please don't. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but Andy, you, and you'll know this, right? When you're recording, it's the adrenaline that gets you through. You're like, you know, you, you've got that, that rush of, we need to get this done. And mm. then it's not till you kind of get a chance to reflect and you're like, Jesus, I'm knackered. Yeah, mentally. And then you get that exactly. next day feeling of, yeah. And you're like, bloody hell. And that's, that's what it was. So when people say, oh, you guys fell out, there was nothing to fall out over. It was good. And, and I think we said at the time, man, every so often we'll just pop up out of nowhere and remind all these young pups that, you know, the old veterans have still got it. And we were like the expendables now. <laughs> veterans. <laughs> ah, he's still there. Is Martin just pissing on his carpet? 
Well, judging by the state of judging by the state of the toilet, sometimes Otto Martin's been in literally any toilet that I've followed him into. He very rarely touches the pan. It's more like a, a taking on the. I don't know if he even has a penis or whether it's just a garden sprinkler down there. I really have no idea. Yeah, it's just what's it? Fifty percent floor, fifty percent sink, and then that's a good piss for him. Yeah, <laughs> that is it. Yeah. And there's so many child toys in the bath near uh, in the toilet. So with uh, around his house, that I dread to think. I can hear you, cunts. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do, don't play with the water pistol when you get there. <laughs> oh, oh, look! Is this uh, is this apple juice or champagne, Martin? Squirt, squirt. Oh, I've um, just had to sing happy birthday to myself twice. Oh, is it your birthday? <laughs> Of all the songs, to, you've chosen that one to keep make sure that you've... What, in case your foreskin's got a coronavirus on it? No, you dickhead. It's how you meant to wash your hands. I know. That's what I'm saying, but... but you obviously... Fuck it. You're, you're, the reason, you're the reason the vast majority of the public get told how to wash their hands. <laughs> well, we get told... Uh, we got told to sneeze into a tissue or the crook of your elbow and wash your hands well, properly. What, your... what about my crook well, of your elbow? Well, like... If you've been watching adult sites, I think you might want to wash your hands a little bit longer. <laughs> and while Terry, you're doing that, ask yourself, is life worth living? Terry, what's the impact on amateur boxing with all this stuff? So the ABAs are off. Yeah. Which which I'm, I'm hoping they do a rerun because our lads were late for the weigh-in, so they got knocked out before they even fought. I'm hoping they just it. start from zero. I saw about that. I'm assuming yeah. as a coach, you're pretty fucking living. Well, so I was holding it down in the gym and we're getting text messages going. Well, so I got messages from guys that weren't fit for a lodge going, you're not on here to weigh in. What's going on? And I was like, oh, Jesus, man. And you imagine like, and this is the side that people don't see. When you're a coach and you're focusing on those ABAs and you're putting the little things in and you're talking to your fighters and you're doing the analysis going, look, to win this, you've got to generate 90 punches per round and you're timing them, you're counting everything, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. All of a sudden, you get to a point and you're like, man, I just want you to go out there and deliver. So to not get that chance is deflating. For it not to happen because it's late is more damage to the brand of the club than anything else. Individually, I think these kids will bounce back. But the season's a write-off anyway, if we're being honest. The Olympic qualifiers, which were meant to be at the Copper Box, cancelled. So how the hell is everyone going to qualify now? Yep. Unless they just move it all to Paris. Which Apart I've, from Galliafai and someone else called Peter McGrail. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah, but how good did Caroline Dubois look? And yes. way, let's just let's slap ourselves on the back again. First podcast to talk about Caroline Dubois was. Thank you. You say slap us on the back. I'm not sure Andy or I talked about Caroline. Yeah, Dubois I can bet. I mean, I do remember. Funnily enough, bizarrely, I remember you talking about. I, uh, is it a woman? What the fuck? Well, I literally don't know what pronouns you use, so... Dubois. Oh, Caroline... Wow. Caroline Dubois. Oh, Caroline. I, sorry, I, I couldn't actually make out... I'm, I couldn't make out the fir- first name, but I remember you... All I... This is... This is like, You're a fucking monster. Just so everyone knows, just so everyone knows that I've not lost my casual, my casual tag in the time that we've been off the air... The first thing I thought was, I can't work out what name they've both just said, but I know it's not Daniel Dubois, and I remember him talking about another Dubois. 
Unbelievable. That was my thought process. <laughs> so, the, so there are three Dubois, right? There are three Dubois you should just write on your on your list. Daniel, obviously, everyone knows now, but when we first talked about him, no one knew. Caroline is about to be what I call the first real superstar female boxing. Then there's young Prince, who's also coming through, and he's looking like a monster as well. Is Prince of like a similar build then? He's growing. So you have to remember, like, when Daniel first started boxing, he was small, and then he grew. But if you've ever seen Daniel Dubois' dad, like, they're not small genetics in that family. Yeah. And another shout-out, by the way, because, like, you were talking about it on one of your recent ones, of, like, when you went back through the names of the people, and just to prove I do listen, when you went back through the names of the people that you'd mentioned on our old podcast... It's an impressive list, isn't it? The Sterlings, the Aziz, Jordan Reynolds. Um, I can't remember the rest of them now, but uh, there was to. a whole rough. We we look. Then that's what I mean about this podcast. We we've always retained that thing of saying we cover all levels. I, I know some people try to claim they were the voice of small hall boxing and stuff, and you know, time time proved them wrong. You know. <laughs> but hey listen man we 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 always kept it a hundred percent and i take pride in that and it was important you know some I of gave, those guys hmm? i gave you linus Shadofia, that's what i'm claiming hey listen and i still fuck with linus like he's the sort of guy i look at linus now and i go just let this guy fight for the british as soon as possible because middleweight is that sort of division now that once liam fights to a world title it's it's open season and Linus has that in him to, to go for that now. And you made that call, I remember that, where you were like, I think this kid is gonna win a British title. Man, I wanna see him do it. You know, people no, try I to did. say t- And I've you know, I've seen say, hundreds mm-hmm. I've seen hundreds of kids go through that small hall system. He's the one that's always stood out. But I think for me, he and if he listens to this, sorry, Linus, but I do have to keep it real. I want to see an evolution in his game now. So I think as a small hall boxer, you can get away with a lot of things and you can get away with outskilling people because they're not really coming to win. But I want to see from Linus, what I want to see now is a bit of seek and destroy. Because when you come for that British title, you're going to have to show a little bit of that seek and destroy in you. Linus knows my thoughts. Like Linus is meant to be fighting this Saturday. Clearly, it's not going to happen now. Um, when he won the English title, he did it a good enough job, but it wasn't a brilliant job. And uh, he needs, it, it, as you say, he needs an evolution a little bit. Okay, so no, you're absolutely right. No, no, you're absolutely right. But that's what boxing is. And I'll give you an example. There's a boxer I was speaking to. Let me not let me not snitch on names, but we were talking about it because he's 25 now. And I said, from 25 to 30, you're going to be an athlete. You're going to be slick. You're going to have reflexes. What you don't want to do is realize at 30, you don't have those reflexes anymore and have to relearn the game. So at 25, you want to start learning your stuff when you're 30. Yeah, because then when you slip into that and you realize your reflexes are a bit off and you can't hop in and out like you used to, you want to learn how to be cute, experienced, know how to do those little old veteran moves that keep careers long. 
you know, like a Mike McCallum as an example. And so when you deal with a lot of these guys in boxing, because they're trained by these British coaches who are very much upright, one, two, one, two. And when you're under pressure, just run around the ring with your hands up. You don't learn ring craft. And ring craft is the word I want to keep using in 2020. Who has real ring craft among the prospects we talk about? Not many people do. Um, moving, continuing on, uh along well not obviously when you were talking about lines but like moving along with the with the amateur scene that you were talking about um what uh impact if anything what, what when are the tokyo olympics due to go ahead by the way does anyone know because i i don't before you go on to I've, only got two left. Oh. I've only got two left in the bag oh have you and what have you got out this time it's a purple panther oi oi yeah, it doesn't that? <laughs> that sounds like the kind of thing that Terry's ripped to shreds over the last three days. Mate, are you are you are you are you just drinking shit you brewed yourself, mate? Like, what the fuck is this purple panther? Like what, mate? Do you want to know what it is, right? Because I don't get to drink that often at all nowadays, at all. Um, I've just got a cupboard underneath my stairs. It's got shitloads of like you know when you've had people over. And you yeah. bought beer in, and they've bought beer around, and it's what's left. I'm basically <laughs> like, I'm on that at the moment. Um, oh, I remember now that purple panther. That was um, that's what I brought round. It's um, yeah. I, I I'm going to enjoy it. I bought it at the gardening centre. It was um, it's weed killer. Fuck, <laughs> it's five percent. It might as well be. No, I, I, I don't. I've never heard Mate, of it. I'm just on the old rosy six peat. That's me now. Right, carry on. Sorry. Tokyo. So yeah, when when are the Tokyo Olympics due to go ahead? I think it's August twenty twenty, isn't it? August. Right. Okay. So, uh, do we? Oh, in fact, it's pointless me asking whether it's going it, to. It's, it's almost pointless asking any questions regarding <laughs> the coronavirus. Full stop. Because no one has a fucking clue. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Tokyo, by the way. Like, they don't give a fuck, do they? Like, they're just carrying on regardless. Well, they did say that they're just going to... No, we're still, we're still doing it. Still cracking on. Nah. Good on them. But they're not really a country known for human rights, though, are they? So they don't give a monkey. What do you it's a long way away. Look, I think the Olympics will happen because I, I genuinely think by the first May bank holiday, we'll be looking back on this going, God, aren't we a bunch of soft fuckers? Um, agree okay agree that's interesting I, for, I as it happens I don't think that that's going to be the case since you've got fa- you, you're going to have thousands of people that have died what in the UK because anyway. Italy's at three and a half thousand right yeah and they're still climbing but how many people how many people would have died anyway <laughs> if they Grant, die, they die. Granted, granted that answer. Granted, that answer is a hundred percent. Yeah, it depends what timeline you want it over. Uh, look, how many people would have died in the next hundred years anyway? Well, everyone in the world. Well, there we go then. What happens if one matter? What difference does it make if they die a little bit sooner? Fair if enough. you slightly, ex- if you slightly expedite that process, yeah. 
I don't know. Like, I, I'm kind of with Terry. I think this whole country going into fucking grind into a halt is fucking mental. And I think we'll look back at it going, we did it because everyone else did it. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but we'll see how we're playing. <sighs> oh. So Andy, you're, you're telling me, right? Andy, you're telling me, like, when they're trying to turn you into Jason Bourne, you didn't do any of this kind of scenario preparation. <laughs> all, all I know is that um, that there is movement on the on the the military front, and they don't they don't do what they've done uh, the way that they've done it often, <laughs> for one or two lightly, and I just think. <laughs> Look at you being an in the know military guy. Love it. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 one of those things I just think uh, like you they wouldn't that when it comes down to money they just don't do any like a bit like sport. They don't do anything unless their arms like is proper forced. That I mean like everyone was saying to him about the EU stay in the EU be more profitable and like, the British government are like nah, we actually think probably a bit better if we stay out of it. Just whatever money that difference was, probably just been negated by three hundred and fifty billion they've actually just put into the into the economy. They don't do. Andy, any- what's your? What's well, your well, 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 it's funny how freedom of movement has stopped, right? Like, <laughs> there's no freedom of movement now, is there? <laughs> Andy, what's your what's your coolest uh, military story? Uh, probably, probably when is it when you got the bullet through the windscreen left yeah. uh, Iraq? Probably, yeah. That's probably as it goes. The the quote unquote coolest. We I did get mortared once, uh, but didn't die, which is quite nice. Well, you didn't die from any of them. Oh, that's true. But I, I <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But it, I, I sort of the reason I speak about that is because getting a load of mortars, getting literally your position mortared, is unlikely you're going to survive. Getting shot at by a well, load of blokes who a, a, can't control Andy, AKs. Andy, Andy, yeah, Andy, I need you to carry that story on. I need to go and grab some more grenadine. Sorry, grenadine. About Thirty-two seconds. I need grenadine. some grenadine. <laughs> He's going to top up his homunculus glass. That literally. Right, like, give me thirty seconds. That did actually look like when he sent that picture through. It looked like um, I don't know uh, a GCSE science kit from the nineteen nineties that you'd ordered. It was lacking a bump. A Bunsen burner. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's my own concoction. I think, oh, God, that doesn't sound good at all. That doesn't sound like it can well, end well. Well, I'm here. Shout out to, um, and I know Terry's going to back this up when he's back. Shout out to Winnie King, the doctor, for uh, providing me the best Mother's Day cards possible. Um, and you know she makes those all herself? What, by hand, man? By hand, a little bit of machinery, that's, but it's all her, like creative vision and everything. Now, nah, honestly, that's insane. Like, and I'm unaware of this, I'm possibly okay. So, I'm my own prop fault, but go ahead, please educate so I, me. I, I ordered some cards uh, a couple of weeks back for Mother's Day, like before this shit kicked off, and they came through within like a day and a half, two days, and they are the. Like, granted, you pay a little bit of a premium on them, but that premium is worth it, man. Like, 
my mum's going to love me more than she loves my brother after this, which is great news. Let's not go like, too far, mine. Actually, he's <laughs> he's literally a doctor. <laughs> I'm just a dickhead sat drinking some little beer. Um, hmm. But yeah, Gren- no, Grenadine Grenadine makes all the difference. Because those cards are exceptional. So get onto the Card King on Etsy because if you want to impress someone, buy one. Enough said. Okay. Fantabulous. Terry, have you got your grenadine? I have. Grenadine's a game changer. Do you know when I really fell in love with grenadine? There was this an American Dad episode where Roger makes a Roy Rogers McFreely and Stan doesn't get the grenadine. And so Roger goes apeshit. So I thought, let me try this grenadine. And inside of what grenadine does, it just adds a smile to the overall mix. Now, I think with the green tea bringing me up, the grenadine kind of just levels me off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you have an eloquent way of putting, of justifying some mad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout out to Rodent TV. Jesus Christ I know you took the words out of my mouth Um, told you man I'll I'll get Magic Johnson to just fucking put one in his backside man (laughs) (laughs) did you you try and hold that one in as well no I didn't that's a lie I'm I'm addressing everything today everything is getting addressed today yeah yeah go for it right we don't know if we're ever going to record again as a group. Like we nah, just chucked this. To- we are. No, no, we are. Yeah, we are. No, we, we we more than likely will. But we've chucked this together again, just for context for people. We chucked this together because I think probably we realise people may appreciate you know an hour and a half of us chatting shit together because they've asked for it multiple times. We've not done it before, but these circumstances are different to any other time. Listen, we might go live again. Like, if people really put the money up for those tickets, we might go live again. <laughs> not for a few, not for a few months. <laughs> no, maybe, look, look, look. Maybe, maybe not till this clears up. But if, if people are willing to put the money up, how many times did you hear that? Show number one sold out, delivered. Show number two. Listen, I I know ten people that came in there that. <laughs> do you know what I mean they just put? <laughs> They just walked in. I mean, we're already sold out by the people. Like, Yo, T, I've got to come in, man. I, got, I need to see this. I mean, we're standing room only for show number two. So we, there's demand, but you guys have to, you know what I mean? You've got to value quality. I, I'm, I'm not coming out of live show retirement unless we do those numbers again. Do you know what I mean? For so a, For a billion pounds, can you do, we'll do it in can, Northern can Italy. You do those, can you do those numbers sober next time? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know yeah, what? Like, that, my biggest regret is not realizing that bottle was a liter. Man, like, you know, put too much. I'd imagine your biggest fire. regret is is probably not remembering the second half of the show. <laughs> I'm thinking. Yeah, you, well, well, well. Do you know what? We had a dickhead with a camera there that decided not to film it. Those rodents for you. I, 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 I feel like this conversation of these ten people might have. There was also a theatre. Maybe Terry walked into a room just with loads of mirrors in it, and uh, about halfway through the show, when he was random, when we uh, at some point said Martin randomly leaves the room and brings David Allen back in. Like, what the fuck just happened there? Why not? Why not? 
And uh, yeah, Terry was so stonkingly drunk, he could have easily had a conversation with himself in the mirror. What a night. Oh, man. You know, me and Paul Gaz going after that. Gaz sent me a message going, how are you, man? Yeah, I mean, he understood. Do you want to go no, fishing and eat no, some chicken? No, he didn't at all. He offered to turn up with a fishing rod and a bucket of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I could have done with that chicken at the interval. <laughs> so, yeah, we could, we potentially could go live again if we all survive. Uh, right, what's going to happen in boxing over the next six months? What does anyone reckon? Right out of We're all going to be pissed off. Right, let's just start with the truth. We're all going to be pissed off. You know, we're all going to be annoyed at Hearn for talking nonsense. But what we're going to see, and I've, I've touched on this before, I like how DeZone have reined Eddie Hearn back in. So now, if you look at, well, when DeZone have big set-piece messages to get out to the public, it's either Skipper or Markovsky that go out there. It's it's, it's corporate now, and they let that Markovsky is a fucking bellend. <laughs> no, 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 Mar- Mar- Martin. No, no. In fact, I am not. I'm well educated. Honestly, and in fact, he's the kind of kid. The system. He's the kind of kid you'd have beaten the shit out of at school for fun, for fun. And now he's been. I think he's. The, I think he. I think he's the kind of kid they used to throw the soap on the floor in the showers. <laughs> Jesus! There goes my syndication deal with the zone, then, guys. Uh, uh, so we heard today that um, the French Open was going to be basically. They went, uh, "We're going to stick here in." I think they said October. Just went two weeks. October, September. 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 Bang, September, which was two weeks after or two weeks before the U.S. Open. Am I right? Right. What's this got to do with my question about what's going to happen over six months in boxing? The question I have is: <laughs> We're all going to play tennis. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to most bo- when it comes to most sporting events, they they basically just they have to put them on at some point or drop them completely. Are we going to see that hunger that's going to be obviously insatiable by the time sport comes back in its various guises? Are we going to see like a land grab in terms of? like dates just to try and be the first ones to put on a big show. So will it be a case of if, if when, when, when is Joshua due to fight end of June? Yeah. Let's say the band, the band gets lifted. They say the band's going to be lifted mid July. Do they literally say to Joshua, right, keep on training for the next two weeks and we'll stick you at the end of July. We're going to any stadium we can grab. This is when it's going to be in the hope that the sort of like, Tidal wave of immediate gratification for the want for sport will will you know will uh, create a you know a massive windfall in cash, or will it be a case of right now we're back on the scene? Let's tactfully try and place our boxing events throughout the year because they're going to tread on I each was, other as well, aren't they? I was debating this like with myself the other day actually this exact question because in football you could. You could have a team prepped and ready within three or four days. No problem. Like, they may not be match fit, but neither will the other team. Yeah. Whereas in boxing, if they said, right, the ban is lifted next week, go, then you've still got eight weeks until anyone's ready. Yeah. And so you can't, you know, I don't believe Eddie Hearn's going to have insight from the government and like a heads up 
as to what that date when you're allowed to go again will be. <laughs> Eddie, we'll keep the lockdown on for eight weeks so you can be ready to go when we lift it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, no, so, guys, like, so here's, an, here's an update I can give you, right? Most boxing gyms are shut now. And I know people say, oh, you can keep ticking over. But if you've got a fighter, what you're saying is, mate, you can't go to any public gym. So no fitness first, no virgin active. These guys are literally just, it's either, it's just road work and push-ups. That's all these guys are doing at the moment, which doesn't get you fit for a fight. So as soon as, as, soon as we're allowed to carry on as normal, I still think fighters are going to need a full camp before they can fight. Agree. Which is why that like eight-week period after the end of the incubation is going to screw people over because... Everybody's um, desire for some kind of sporting event will be placated by the time you get to that eight-week period. After eight weeks, we've seen, you know, probably 16 rounds of Premier League matches. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, we've seen F1 return, we've seen tennis return, we've seen rugby return. Exactly. We've seen like, every, yeah. every other sport is ready to go at a week's notice give or take on the acceptance that everybody else is lacking match practice. Whereas boxing, you're eight weeks out from a fight at any one point. Except for football. Like, you know, look, they will see Pogba in the event this year. <laughs> like he's really committed to United. <laughs> no, I didn't see this. No, Mate, he, he's, on, he's on Instagram doing drills in the Juventus shit. <laughs> oh, dear. Was that a spoiler? Probably. Uh, so, Andy, yeah, I'd be prepared for a new midfielder if I were you. Well, I'm I'm happy. Bye. Go to Northern Italy right now. If you if you want to go, go go right now. Fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll to some extent I'll drive you there myself as long as I don't have to stop the car. <laughs> no, but you're used to that snatch squad, Andy, man. <laughs> get out! Get out! Get out! That's how you used to pick Perry up anyway. <laughs> you used to call it the Snatch Squad because of the way that I used to accelerate. <laughs> Whereas now... And, and, snatch... and drop me off. Like, he'd drive alongside the train and I'd be on the bonnet of the car. And I'd have to just make the jump. Coming from Martin now. Come on. What is it? Whereas now the, the Snatch Squad is who is uh, texting Terry in these <laughs> desolate times. <laughs> I thought you were saying that that's, it, the Snatch Squad is what he's now completed on Pornhub. <laughs> Even one works. I'm done with Pornhub. Although, to be fair, you'd buy shares in Pornhub now, right? I'm going to have to test out this uh, Italian VPN thing that Martin was on about. you got to do it. How many times can you watch that Jerkmate advert, like, before your video? And that's really... Fu- Fu- How are you scraping this barrel so fucking deeply? <laughs> like, <laughs> to the point that's where... That's what she said. You're, you're, what, you're not willing to watch any pornos for longer than like more than well i don't know but you're willing to watch a jerk mate advert over and over and over again <laughs> mate, mate, you don't watch have a, a porn story, film again now all, all the mate, good ones mate, have the jerk mate advert before them you, you, you can't skip it. those 15 seconds <laughs> that's five like skipping five four three two one skip skip finished off well, obviously, it was 15 before I was married, so I don't know what it is. Fuck. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
fucking hell. <laughs> and actually, actually, look, you know, like, because, you know, it's, it's us and we've pretty much got a captive audience. But I'm just going to file questions. Martin, Saturday's show, how good did Kofi look? Kofi? <laughs> yeah, Kofi. <laughs> what, Donka? Yeah. I never saw it. Oh, wow. Mate, I wasn't there because you need to appreciate, I've got like childcare tokens in life. <laughs> and I saved them up to go and watch Linus this coming weekend. Right. Who so... is he boxing this coming weekend? You are so. Who is he going to box? Who's Linus going to box? Yeah. Um, the guy that lost to Sean Robinson his last fight. Oh, man, that's all gone over my head. Is it not Tyler Denny? So that's not it. No, that's who he beat for the English title. Um, fuck, slipped my mind. Um, uh, John Brennan. Ah, he needs to hope Jack Cullen doesn't come looking for that belt again. Jack Cullen. Fucking the meat cleaver from Little Lever. Yeah. Remember when Hurley Linus, was massively high on him? Linus smokes him. Uh, I'd rather I'd rather Linus actually defend that belt against Pester. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. That's uncompetitive. Nah, for a couple of rounds. I mean that nice because I went to go and see Pester. I was down at um, Dunstable a couple of weeks back when I Kay did. Prosper. Kay Prosper defended against uh, Bill Reckman from Bradford, maybe. Um, Bradford. Somewhere up north. And Pester was on that, John Harding. And uh, John looked the best I've ever seen him, to be fair to him. He was aggressive. Um, actually went looking to damage rather than, like, fucking more of a defensive output, if that makes sense. Um Pester looked the best I've seen him in a long, long time. But as soon as he steps up, I think Linus would beat him. You know, Jack Cullen, he put up a decent performance against Jack Cullen. I'll give him his juice. But Linus would beat him. I want to see Linus against Felix Cashman. For the British, I'd love to see that. Yep. Or Denzel for the British. No, no. Do you know what? And, and like... <laughs> I like Denz, and Denz will probably listen to this and go, oh, Terry's talking shit again. Although me and Denzel, like, you know, when I was his Paul Heyman type, you know, mouthpiece, it's the most views he's ever done in a video, so I'll take that. But I think I'd like to see Denzel just build for now. And that's me speaking yeah. as a trainer, not a fan. Like, you know, yeah, I think sometimes you can smoke a lot of guys really quickly because they're there to be smoked. But then you've got to spend probably two or three fights, maybe a year of your development, working on new ways, you know, setting traps so you can smoke, you know, a better calibre of opponent. I've no issue with that at all. But if they're going to fight, they've got to fight for a British, Linus and Denzel. There's no point doing it for anything less. With you a thousand percent. I love both guys. Like, it's how hard to with the Aziz Sterling fight where I'm sat there going, I love both of you guys. I'm just going to sit here and just watch. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'll do it. You're 100% right about the fact that they are fighting for a belt they shouldn't be fighting for. Yeah, this... Look, how often have we complained as boxing fans that we don't get prospect v. prospect? 
And when we do, we have to celebrate that. So, it, look, and Umar is always my example of this. Umar for Chelly, prospect v. prospect. Yep. Coped with that. Lost it, came back. For Cody Davis, massive underdog, prospect v. prospect. Wait a minute, you've missed, out, you've missed out a handful of fights there. He fought Daryl Sharp and he had the best corner team he's ever had. Yeah, yeah, he had a 37-year-old man from Milton Keynes who's known as the boxing savant. No one really knows who he is. But, <laughs> but we've all been looking for this man Tartan Meobold for about a year now. <laughs> he who used to be known of Hefty Belly. <laughs> you want to see him now terry he looks like he's got aids so he's he definitely took it took definitely took what you said on board and uh and burn it all off fair play what are you down to now martin <laughs> martin what are you down to now 12 stone uh, i am about 10 stone 18 you see like 2020 like I started the year at about 112 kilos. End of Jan, I was about 100. I think I'm about 96 at the moment. It's, it's one of the things I've realized that, just on a side note, this is definitely men in their 30s type chat now. Everyone's got to just drop a little bit of weight, yeah, just because your heart's not designed to be heavy. So get yourself as light as possible. I promise you, no matter how tight your shirt fits around your chest, that excess weight's not going to help you in a fight. So just get your weight down. Yeah, get your fitness up, get your sharpness up, and your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, all that sort of stuff, they'll all thank you for it. Yes, yeah, so I'll tell you now, I, I started doing, like, I started training more, I started eating healthily. Uh, I had a knee up a couple of years back that you know about, but I was pretty fucked at the time. Like, I couldn't do a lot. Um, but my knee, shout out to the NHS, because my knee is in pristine condition right now. I'm playing football, I'm playing badminton, I'm doing whatever I fancy without any complications. I started at 106 kilos, I'm down to 82. Yeah, that's good. That's good, man. Um, so, yeah. That's, that's super impressive. But that's within a year. Like, I started doing that just before Spurs got to the European Cup final. Happy well, days. <laughs> funny what a year can change. <laughs> I need to give a shout out while we're here to uh, Lee Crocker, LPC hyphen boxing on Twitter, who's asked us for a shout out. Always, man. Like, like he's a good guy, you know. He, he came to our second live show. Yeah, super passionate about boxing as well. So he, he's one of these guys like Danny Watley. You know when they've just got that oh, fire in them. Danny is the fucking man. Danny's a man. Nah, I got a lot of... Listen, it's, it's crazy, isn't it, that through doing this podcast for the years that we've done it, we've just, we've met people and we, we've had memories. Like I still think back to being in Manchester that time and you're just like, bloody hell, the things we've done to like collectively and you think, yeah, you know, Jake Wood, Spencer Oliver couldn't do that. And that's kind of why we're doing this now is just to like, just give those same people something to listen to for a little bit. <laughs> Can you remember when... <laughs> So Jake Wood and Spencer Oliver, they, they announced that live show tour of like the UK and they were like <laughs> some absolute, ven some venues, absolute of the highest order, 600 seater venues or I can't remember what the venues were, they were like in the thousands were they not? 
What were they expecting, you fucking bells? <laughs> and then within about 10 minutes, they like they were, the thing is, they'd put on like something like 20, 20 dates or something, had they not? Oh, mate, it was like they were touring a musical. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was the most bizarre thing. I thought, I just remember at the time going, this can't possibly work. And then it doesn't. You're like, <sighs> obviously, but yeah. And then they full on, they full on Frank Warren it at that point. Oh no, we're really like, oh, Frank, you've got my email. Fuck off. What? No, <laughs> Do you know what annoyed me about all of that? Is this? People assume that this podcast thing is easy. And I see people jump in and do it. And through knowing people in the media industry, I get to see the back-end numbers. There's a reason why Eddie Hearn's No Passion, No Point isn't there anymore. Because realistically, for the numbers they were doing, it wasn't worth his time. Doing a podcast that has a dedicated set of fans that will back you to the end is hard as hell, but it's 80% about authenticity. But I like to feel the people that listen to us believe in us, number one. Number two, the people that listen to us would sit down and have a beer. And if you don't drink, you'd have a coffee or maybe a falafel wrap with us. doesn't really bother me, but you'd spend time <laughs> with us. And that's what we try and do. Yeah, I think that's definitely... And so that's what makes us strong. That's definitely been played out. Like I, I remember doing those live shows and up to the point that you did your seventh bottle of brandy and that, that finally went down. I remember just enjoying every single second of just even as much as going out and buying a load of Cheetos, just for the fact that we'd <laughs> just for the fact that we'd mentioned Cheetos in the podcast a few times and then putting them on seats for everyone. I remember actually just, just, I just remember enjoying being around people that liked the same things we did and supported what we were doing. And yeah, you you that is oh god, it's priceless. It really is priceless that people actually back you like that. Guys, sorry, I just regretted you on my carpet. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just let me just go on mute for a sec. Where's David Price? Where where is David Price? Well you said about priceless. Now I'm thinking about David Price. Like <laughs> there must be a roided up Russian that's about twenty years old, ready to punch his face in. Well, you you know what David Price is. David Price is a guy that gets a million pound purse and takes home 50 grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but before he's done that, he'll talk about building his career. And he's got to take the right fights at the right time. I'm on to the last one, by the way. Golden Goose. He's well managed. Price is well managed. Um, mate, I'm, I'm, I think I've done... Just over two and a bit litres of old Rosie. I might have to go and grab some Westerns in a sec. Two and a half litres of old Rosie. Old Rosie is a very underrated cider. If you're, listen, that is not subject to the, to the panic buying. If you're in a Tesco, grab some old Rosie, man. Like, have you reminiscing about, you know, the 1950s, whatever it is. Like, I I genuinely feel like Joaquin Phoenix singing Folsom County Blues. You two are... Once I've done this bottle, I'm either downstairs to go and get some cider out of the fridge or I'm downstairs to go and get... I think we've only got maybe rosé wine or Prosecco after this. Oh, no. I wonder if he'll get as messy as that night with Pete Fenimore. Are you just just at fucking Corbin's house? (laughs) 
No, it's just that I've run out of booze at that point. I, I need to stock up. Terry, well, we did. Um, we we went out, went to watch the was it Joshua fight? Joshua Reed. Yeah, we went. Joshua Reed too. We meet. Uh, we met Pete Fenimore down the the pub, and uh, we've got back to Martin's. He said, "Come back to give people an idea." Pete Fenimore has listened to us for a good few years, and he's someone that I actually did a white collar. Um, he was training with me for a white collar fight. So he comes and meets us at the bar. We went back to Martin's house for a drink. And I said, uh, Martin, <laughs> still, still makes me laugh. Martin said, do you want some mulled wine? I was like, oh, yeah, go on then. Oh, you have to heat it up, aren't you? He's like, no problem. Here's my mulled wine kettle. And he pulls out a five-pound kettle. And he just hammers a load of mulled wine into, flicks it on, and we go upstairs. No, I need to give you the context of this, right? <laughs> I have a mulled... I do have a mulled wine kettle, which is possibly the most middle class thing I've ever seen. <laughs> mulled wine kettle. Oh, and then we got when I moved into my my house is a new build. When I moved into it, they left a kettle on the side of the kitchen, but they only left the actual physical kettle, not a base. And so I was like, right, you're fucking retarded, whatever, for doing this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so you've literally just left me a kettle fine so I just put it into a cupboard one day and I left it and then about six months later my mother-in-law came around and she opened up the kettle and inside it was the base oh okay right shit okay it was coming up to Christmas we've already bought another kettle by this point so I've got a spare kettle knocking about in my house, coming up to Christmas, chuck the mulled wine in it, and it's lived ever since. So then we was getting like almost obviously boiling hot mulled wine upstairs. But it was it was good. It was good. We were already rather lubricated as it was. Oh my god. I think what we'd run out of mulled wine. You said we'd gone through six bottles, didn't you? Yeah. Plus whatever we drank at the pub. That was literally the most painful hangover I've had for a long time when I woke up the next day. That felt like my brain was... felt like my, all of the coronavirus in the world at that point was in my brain, which, you know, there was no coronavirus at that time, but maybe that's where it came from. Well, from you. You're the super spreader. Yeah, I, I, I patient zero. Your love for hentai and Far Eastern women has caught up with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um, right I, we've been now going on for an hour and 46 minutes do we have anything else to cover half time my friend half time <laughs> oh, <fuck laughs> I've got to be up at four o'clock in the morning well quarter past to do four. what wait 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 wait. to do what what have you got to be up at half four in the morning for like this is, I told you this guy's a super spreader who else wakes up at four in the morning apart from I'm going to fuck everybody up. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to work for six. To do what? what? What are you fixing? Trains that aren't moving. Well, yeah, precisely. But they've still got, we've still got to do it because no one's, no one's saying don't fix them anymore. Mate, like... <sighs> continue mixing. Continue mixing, people. Nah, mate, look, look. You need a career change. I'm just going to keep it all the way trill right now. You need a career change, Andy. That enables you to podcast a lot more. Like, I feel your your value to the world is greater as a podcaster. 
you're probably right i'm not sure there's any of i've have any value as a podcaster but i still think you're probably right <laughs> I, I would say that i would say that tony bell you disagrees after you called him a faggot oh lord <laughs> oh, oh most annoying the, the most fucking irritating thing is i didn't call him a gimp dickhead penis retard no i can't even use that word can i uh, any of those words that were okay to use, I wish I'd used them ones. Can we just relive that moment when you called him a faggot? Because <laughs> deep down, the sentiment was right, the wording was wrong. Yeah, thank you. That is, that is true. I stand by you, the sentiment. You, you're like, what was the actor on on Question Time who who tried uh, to be Lawrence the Lawrence Fox? Yes, you're like Lawrence Fox, but before Lawrence Fox. I think you need to explain to me what this is, because Martin seems to know, but I don't. I knew before you'd even said what it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, so basically, Lawrence Fox goes on Question Time and does this massive rant against lefty liberalism, wokeness, and all that sort of stuff. Gets a lot of right-wing support on Twitter, and then a lot of left-wing backlash and I think he struggled to get acting jobs after that, and then ran off social media a bit like Dave Allen did. He's Billy Piper's ex-husband. Oh, shit, is he? Yeah. Hmm? Oh, so one, of Evans, right? one of her ex-husbands. Yeah. Um, she, so- just, I, I, like, I, she just strikes me as being a bit of a car wreck. Like, I, I, I don't know if I would want to define my love life as Still being would, marrying Billy Piper. Still would. Chris Evans did it. Nah, 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 nah. Maybe, maybe someone like, 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 like Roden TV would, but not me. <laughs> How many references can you just like, it's like proper reaching every time you make the reference as well. Fuck Rob Tebbett. Oh, <laughs> why? <laughs> why did I poke the bear? No, 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 no. Let's, 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 just 30 seconds. Have you seen him? Look, he had his haircut trying to act like he's fucking GQ's man of the year. Mate, allegedly you buy views on your platform and no one gives a monkeys about you. I mean, get the fuck out of the sport. You're a fake actor. You've been acting like you're relevant in the sport. And this is the reason I'm saying this. This guy's been backstage talking shit about me to people in boxing. So they get back to me and go, yo, Rob's been talking about you. I'm like, why? I don't really speak about Rob. After I, after I dropped the the Rob Tebbett napalm bomb, I haven't spoken about him. I haven't needed to. So if he's backstage briefing me, he has to understand that at some point you're going to see me, my friend. You're going to see me. But that's a, that's that snake is shit. Oh, oh, do you know Terry? Oh, what's he like? What did you do with him? <sighs> that's rodent behavior. And, and, and what it does, and I know, I know people go, oh, you're having to go at him again. What it does is it says to people, what's Terry been saying about me? And I don't say anything. Look, I'm on a podcast here and I tell you what I think. I don't, I don't sugarcoat it. I don't, I don't do anything. But Tebbit needs to behave himself because I am going to see you at some point. And if you're not, I mean, if you're not truthful, if you're not authentic, if you're not respectful, Wow. To be fair to you, Terry, you've never sugarcoated anything. No, I, I don't. Like, I'm not a snake. So when I'm hearing people saying, yeah, yeah, we had Tebbit over here. Yeah, he was talking about you. I'm like, why? D- 
don't leave. Listen, leave me alone because you don't know me well enough. But I know you. When Michelle fired you, you were crying on the phone to me. And I gave you a blueprint of how we'll get back. And I said, listen, I can get you a slot on Boxing Social. Fact. Now, if you want to run on, on, on Two Planks O'Reilly's podcasting, then deny that you can do. But I'm telling you now, this is a statement of fact. I opened that door for Teba to be on Boxing Social. And he needs to rep, he needs to rep that right. Because when I see him, you know, there's going to be no, no, no failed actor type mise-en-scene, you know, what is your inner motivation? It will just be, Rob Tebbit, what have you been saying about me? But there you go. I've said it. I'm, I'm okay now. What about, right, Terry, I need, I need to put this question to you. Your Highfield Boxing Podcast. Yeah. You're far more middle ground than you were with us. Are you going to reach the extremity or are you going to save them when we're putting together? <laughs> are you going to save it to assassinate our podcast? Episode? <laughs> Do you know what? It, it, it's, it's really strange because. And I don't I mind bow- what the answer is, by the way, at all. I don't give a fuck. Really. No, no, no. I'll be honest. I can bounce. What I love is I can bounce off you guys. That's what, that's one thing. You know, when I, when I strap the headphones on and I put the mic up, I miss that. Like, I can just bounce off you guys. I always remember, was it David Price, Christian Hammer? And we just had that thing between the three of us where we were like, how the fuck have they let David Price box again? Was that the one where you, what was the one where you said like a giraffe at the wall? Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and we could just buzz off each other. I think sometimes when you're on your own, you don't have that, that, that kind of, that, that springboard to work on. So it's not conscious. It's not like I'm like, I'm just going to run this straight down the middle. It's almost like I'm just here on my own. Like, like who the fuck's going to buzz off me just going, this guy's a twat. Do you see what I mean? It's, it's hard. But I think if the podcast were to evolve to a more a sit-down, face-to-face thing, I think then the nature of the content would change as well. That, that's, that's, that's where my head is at at the moment. <clears throat> to be fair. No, I get, I get that entirely, to be fair. Like, it's very different when you do it not that I've done one by myself but if you have other people that you can chat to and ideally in the room probably not going to happen until about May time but (laughs) yeah Yeah, Yeah. unless you're Fritzel then you're all right I don't have it and my kids don't have it because my kids have never left the basement so we'll be just (laughs) we'll be just locking down and "Quote unquote," getting on this what stuff. Is, what what did happen to Fritzel? Like, is he still locked up, or is he showing that he's a reformed character? Oh, they let him I'm off. I'm not sure it's him who was locked up. They they let him off. They said <laughs> no no one was uh, no one was willing to testify against him, so they let him go and locked his kids back in the basement. So yeah, look, he didn't want to pay three quid a month to to help people, you know, fulfill their potential. He just brought them in himself. <laughs> Did he pay five pound a month for protein bars? I would, there were definitely bars involved, but I don't think there were protein bars. Maybe <laughs> iron bars. Oh dear. Um, right, do we have any, anything non drunk Martin? Uh, sorry, do we have anything left to say that drunk Martin and drunk Terry that isn't going to be 
ridiculously outrageous or where's Madeline McCann <laughs> I knew this was going to spiral downwards but I think the last five minutes has been quite a bit of a trench it's <laughs> a genuine question where is she wait wait well, can we stop Andy 20, you not 20. drinking no I'm not drinking I haven't had one not one centiliter of alcohol has passed my lips since we started this podcast Mate, that's you failed. Like, like, don't be mad at us. Like, you know, <laughs> we knew what this was. You know what you called Tony Bell? You, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you, no, 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 you know what you called him, and you can you can order them from Brains, right? Isn't it like a pork based product? Well, that's, why that's exactly what I was referring to. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, fucking hell, all those people that were so criminally offended by that. Get on your fucking bike, you cunts. Well, they weren't, were they? They weren't really offended. No, they weren't. They were just knobheads on Twitter. I fucking hate them. Yeah, I, to Cunt some extent, I wish I'd have just stood by it now and gone, yeah, well, I, what have it? <laughs> you know, what, what, you know what? possible I, backlash was we going to get? I don't uh, mean no, it that honestly, way. I, I'll be honest with you, right? The easiest way to survive on Twitter is to be brutally honest, right? Sometimes you've got to go, do you know what? Yeah, I called Tony Bell your word I probably shouldn't have used, but it's happened. Get over it. Sorry, or I you can it. just say, look, look, I, I'm training a 16-year-old boxer and I've had sex with him. Get over it. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> I Terry, should... what are you possibly referring to? Oh, man, something from the 1950s. Sorry, got a bit out of line there. Hmm. Yeah, because I've heard that that was, that was Anthony Spellew. Oh, Terry. No, that's not who he's referring to. No, I have no oh, idea who mate. he's referring to. That won't shock anyone who knows my boxing knowledge. I Jesus, do. Man, oh, do you? We're... Of course I do. <laughs> man. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're in equal parts wetless and hooligans but look this is what sometimes this is what content's about like we're we are never going to be asked to front the disowned broadcast although I think we'd probably be the best three for it we're never going to be asked to do Sky or BT Sport our role is just to be almost like the fucking you know like, you know like when people talk about animals people talk about the lion being the king of the jungle the tiger being this, but really the crocodile's a motherfucker you don't fuck with. But the crocodile just stays underwater chilling until the time is right. But when have you ever seen crocodiles starving? You never see the Attenborough program, do you? Where it goes, yeah, the crocodiles are starving because there's nothing to eat. Crocodiles always eat. And we're the crocodiles of this shit. We can return anytime we want. We do what we want. We do what we, we want. We do what we want. <laughs> Spencer Oliver, we do what we want. He fucks who he wants. He fucks who he wants. <laughs> That's the best one I've heard. John Terry, he fucks who he wants. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Jimmy Savile. Thank God for that. Uh-uh. No, I remember a specific football that was... Sh- that was sung about, and it was even worse than that. 
Oh, listen, they, they, listen, they, 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 they're a long-time Chelsea captains that got away with shagging 17-year-olds in their Bentley and that story got suppressed in the media. Oh, yeah. How? There you go, man. <laughs> the kind of money, as we found out in boxing and doping. Oh, oh, Terry, did you listen, do you listen to the uh, BBC Boxing podcast? Begrudgingly. Specific- Specifically, did you... Are you gone or... I'm still here. Can you hear me? I think Martin might have gone. Yes. So, uh, Terry... I'm still here. Did you listen to the episode where they were on... um, Where they were talking about the Saudi Arabia and they went to Saudi Arabia and how, like, how glowing they were about Saudi Arabia? Tartan. He's not there. Hold on. I'm trying to try and bring him back from the dead. <laughs> yeah, did you... You know what's mad is we could, we could bring anyone in. We could bring anyone in. Yeah, we could. Should we just do a random dial as to... Who have I even got on here that we could dial in? Martin's probably... Oh, wait, 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 wait. No, hold the line a second. Let me just try something. Right, I'm going to try Umar Sadiq. Let's see if he's on. Alright. It's ringing, apparently. Ah. Oh. That, so that hasn't worked, right? Who's got Linus's details? I haven't. No. I have. I can, I can ring my mum, if we want to get my mum on. No? Well, we could try Eddie Hearn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. can you imagine? I'll dial him. I'll dial him. I'll dial him. Ready? Hearn. Go on, then. There you go. Oh, fucking hell, he is as well. Oh, I'm not talking to him. No, 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 no. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Shocker. He's not picking up. Shocker. <laughs> no. Is he not picking up? No, I know. Absolute shock. Oh, I can't see. Ah, oh, well, Lord of mercy. I'll aim slightly lower. Let's go with Linus. I'll <laughs> aim slightly lower. <laughs> or slightly up. These pictures they've got as their WhatsApp photos. They're all very... I know, uh, they're very, uh, very flattering. Yeah. Linus, pick up. He's not picking up, is he? No, I don't think anyone's going to want to pick up. No, give me a sec. Hold on. Oh, this is a real low in our podcast content. We're, no, 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 it's no, a real no, high. Two of it, two of us are absolutely wasted, and we're trying to we're trying to call people. Well, we're saying we're trying to call people. I don't suppose anyone can. No one can actually see the screens like I can. They, no, they no, are no, trying, no, chill, chill, chill. They are trying to call people. You want me to dial in Dillian White? Eddie Hearn's phone number looked like a fucking, <laughs> Eddie Hearn's phone number looked like a personalised number. That was like. Well easy to remember that bad boy. I can send you it right, after. Right, right. No, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying Umar at the moment. I'm not sure if Umar's going to say no, I'm in bed. But no one's got any fights coming up. We're all good. Yeah, that's true. What, what do you think to your next fight? Like, I don't know when it's going to be. So I'm eating crisps in Listen, bed. Listen, no, no, no. Let's all bang the drum for Umar B. Lerone Richard. I literally have... 
No, oh, wait, no, no, no. So, so, so Umar can't because he might have suspected Corona, but he can't pick up the phone. I can't pick it up over the phone. Pick what up? Corona. Do you know that for sure? Not 100%, no. Call well, Michaela. No, she wouldn't. I, she really would not appreciate that. No, she would. Yeah. Does she know I'm on the call? No, come on, man. <laughs> Get bear on. It's like caller. Available. <laughs> well, metaphor. <laughs> Who are you trying now? Who, me? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try Michaela. I love this. Hey. This is when you've got this you've got pre Oh <laughs> Terry wanted me to ring you, so consider yourself rang. You're on a group call. You're on the podcast. Why don't we add in Goodwin? Well, hey, hey, call Goodwin. Yeah, yeah, get Goodwin in there. I don't mind. Right, let's add him in. I don't I don't feel like you're making the most of this, Terry. I rang her and you've just instantly jumped to Goodwin. We could have started off with yeah, Goodwin. What do you want? What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> hey Michaela man uh, hey Michaela honestly I miss you oh I miss you too nah you know when I see you next man the, the way I'm going to hug you I don't know if your ribs will cope but you got to understand it is what it is is it going to be a boob hug <laughs> hey I, I, listen, I don't know what's going to happen man. I, I'll try and restrain myself <laughs> no you won't why lie <laughs> right I can't add in Goodwin right now. Well, I can, Michaela. You, I can, can't add you can actually hang up. And uh, this was just a purely, I think, a novelty experience that Terry wanted to add someone to the conversation. Okay, and you thought of me. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, we thought of Eddie Hearn first. Yeah, we tried. We tried Eddie Hearn, but he didn't pick up. <laughs> okay then. Okay. Bye. See ya. Bye. Mate, yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. The way that. that is- Martin's first thing was dial Eddie Hearn. Just address the the Transformers thing head on. I love that. Let's go all in. <laughs> right, I'm going to try and win Goodwin. Umar Sadiq, Eddie Hearn, Linus Adofia, my girlfriend. And the only person that no, 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 was no. my girlfriend. <laughs> okay, look. Okay, you know, guys, guys, hold the line, hold the line, hold the line. I'm trying to get to this call. Fuck, how do I get to... Uh... Steve okay. not picking up. Nobody wants to pick up. Who would? Oh, hello. Oh, it's Steve. Hello, Steve. Hello, Steve. It's Martin and Andy and Terry. Oh, all right. How, how are you? You all good? You're you're on a podcast, Steve. In isolation. Oh, <laughs> How's everybody? You good? <laughs> That's Terry. <laughs> how are you, Terry? You good? Mate, how are you? I'm well. I'm all. I'm, bit, I'm in isolation, so it's not not a lot of fun at the moment. But that's all. I'm self, okay. Self-induced or as a result of having the, the no the virus? Self, no self-induced because of the health stuff I've got wrong with me. So, um, Mate, yeah, so and, literally, and, and the fine. stock market's going ape shit as well. So it's not a good. It's not a good month, really. <laughs> it's not nice. Things are not. I've had better months. Better months. <laughs> Mate, but my my, my tip. My tip at the moment: just jump on Microsoft. Really? Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, everyone laughed when I said this, but like having done operational resilience before, 
everyone's going to want to have Microsoft something, right? So everyone's going to upgrade their subscriptions. You want Microsoft Azure as your cloud platform. Resilience yeah. will be the thing for the next two years. So I think Microsoft shares will keep going up. They, yeah. Could well be right. Not qualified financial advice. That's just my opinion as a layman. <laughs> it's, it's, this is our new financial podcast, Steve. Sorry, we didn't clarify oh, that before. Okay. <laughs> oh, Steve, we're, we're, we're about six, we're about six hours in. Terry and I have been drinking throughout. So, uh, oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I dread to think what you've been saying. Yeah. That's been civilized. I think. I think we've been we've been measured about most things. That's the Actually, one thing Terry, it hasn't been. It has not been civilized at all. Terry said he. <laughs> Terry said he'd like to meet you for a beer next time uh, you're both in London. To be fair, that is true. Okay, sounds like a plan. Just uh, just hope we get to the stage where we can go and have a beer. That's the most important. In 2023. Thing yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And that's kind of why we called it all together tonight, was to uh, to get the three of us together, and then we were just ringing random people to see who would join us. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's nice. It's good. You, it's good you're back together doing your stuff. It's good. It's good. Where's me Flash tonight then? <laughs> he's busy. He's in. He's in <laughs> camp. Well, in Norwich. In Norwich. Actually, uh, yeah, we could. Funnily enough, we wouldn't have been able to ring Johnny Flash or Rick Ronman or Barry. In fact, unless. <laughs> And we could have rang Rick or Barry when Martin was in the toilet. I suppose we could have done that. We were debating one week, Steve, doing a, uh, a live negotiation with yourself as a manager and see how it goes. But we really want to negotiate with me. That's probably not going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the point. Rick can try and work his magic against you, see if you fall into his, uh, into his many traps. <laughs> I've dealt with loads of Ricks in my life. My <laughs> God, <that's... laughs> but you, you and Terry, Steve, you've got a backdated uh, history. We're going to wipe the slate clean, but obviously all this stuff of coronavirus is going to yeah. set small hall boxing back months. A long time. A lot longer than I think people... <clears throat> gently serious. I think a lot longer than people think it will. I think... Um, I think economically, the amount of damage that's being done to pe- people in business and small businesses, do you imagine even if they get this sorted, the virus sorted in six months, who's going to fill up small hall shows? I think you'll get away with the, the people who come out and go to the big events, but the boxers who are asking their friends, family and all that stuff, and us sell, selling to the general public, that's going to be difficult, really difficult, not- because there's not going to be the money there. Because uh, presumably that will also affect boxers when it comes to sponsorship by local firms. I think that's knackered. I mean, that's the problem, you see. The the problem you have is, I don't know what Terry's view on this is, but a lot of boxers that run around going, I'm full-time professional, and they're doing it by sponsorship. They're not really full-time pros. They've just got a load of, they've just been really good on getting sponsors to do it, but they're, but they're not good enough at their craft yet to get the real sponsorship, the TV sponsorship. So those guys now who haven't got a job, are probably going to lose their sponsors. Terry, what did you say earlier? If your sole source of income is boxing, you're a mug. I agree. So totally here's agree. the thing. But it, it, and I think it goes back to one of the things I've said over a number of years. If you, if you have 10 amateur fights and you're starting to do small hall boxing, this is what happens to you. I legitimately think this is why you need to build up an amateur record, number one, mm-hmm. and number up 
you need to be getting people engaged. Now, yeah. I look at an example. Here's an example, and this is very recent. Mason Smith jumped over mm-hmm. into, I think it was MTK signed. It didn't no, work no, out no, for him. He was Mo Pryor. He was Mo Pryor. Oh, sorry, Mo Pryor. He yeah. wasn't doing numbers, went back into the amateurs, did the ABAs this season, lost in the first round. And now you're almost like, mate, all that profile you built up, GB trials and all of this, and you've just lost to a guy that no one's ever heard of. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's terrible. That's why, it's, Steve, you and I have talked about this before. I wouldn't sign a boxer who hadn't had at least 40 amateur bouts. That's my, that's my take on it. No matter how desperate they are. The only thing the is, for about. example, on Saturday, now I get, I get it. I mean, you'll be pleased to know, Terry, that the board of now said that basically, indirectly, are saying they will not turn anybody over who hasn't got amateur experience. They will not get past the board's process. How does that, how does that affect you, Steve, with like the lads that you used to take? Well, it means they've got to go and do some amateur. Amateur experience. He was he was something like seventy five percent wins in the amateurs, won plenty of titles. Martel's an ex MMA fighter, and on Saturday, Martel with eight pro fights beats Lopez for the Southern Area title. Yep. So in that instance, you've got a guy that um, that has no experience, but yet he is probably English title level, um, fighting a top, a really good above average amateur, and beats him. Fairly comfortably, one by two rounds, but maybe three. Um, so it is a bit of a thing where there's always an exception to every rule. But but had he had no experience, you, none. You know, because there are guys who who will go into a boxing gym. They'll bet they'll spend a couple of years there, and then go. Do you know what? Screw this. I'm off to do MMA. No, no, no. He was he was from MMA. Decided that he wanted to give boxing a go with no boxing experience. Turned over with no boxing experience whatsoever, and in fight nine, he's won a southern area. He's not my fighter, so there's nothing. It's nothing to do with me, this guy. So, but he he looks he looks decent. But the the best example I have of I think this was your show, wasn't it? Where Connor Hines boxed. Yeah. Now Connor Hines hasn't had a lot of amateur bouts, but having trained him myself. He has he has that freakish power that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And so he's the sort of guy that I look at and I go, none of your knockouts make any sense because everyone looks fine for the first couple of rounds until it all catches up with them and they just go, I don't need this in my life. I'm not yeah. paid enough for this kind of punishment. Yeah, I mean it's and, it's it's very it's very true. I mean, again, I, it's very hard. I know because I know you said this thing about forty amateurs before. I think. My view, my view is I'm not as um, fast as that. I think everybody should be treated um, fairly. However, what I do agree with is there's a lot of kids that have turned over that shouldn't never have turned over, never, not good enough to turn over, should never have done so. And I think there's there's plenty of them out there. Some of them are journeymen, some of them are home boxers. But I think you know there are, but I, but I, there are also some kids that under the new rules wouldn't have ever turned over and have ended up being very good. And so, so I think these are teething problems because I go back to when like when I was learning the trade and learning the sports. Now someone like a Frank Maloney would go into the gym and he'd go, What's so and so like? Yeah. Is he any good? And then you you've got old veterans in your gym who go, Do you know what? He probably needs another year on the amateurs before he turns over. Yeah. And, and, and so what what ended up happening is you ended up having guys coming in who had longevity in the game 
I think what's happening now is kids are turning over with trainers who are kids themselves. No, I, I and agree so with that. You're not getting that filter anymore. That's fair. That's fair. It's really fair. No, that's really fair. I mean, it, it is a problem, and there's plenty of examples of it out there as well. And and you think, but there was also some kids that turn over with 15 amateur fights or 20 amateur fights. And they're miles behind kids who come from the unlicensed, miles behind. Who, who, so it, it's sort of a bit, um, it's sort of a bit difficult. I think the biggest problem the board have is that they take, they took away the trial spa because now they can't, you know, the, the new thing, anybody can pass as long as you're fit, you're going to get past it. So that's why I think they've changed the thing to the amateurs. But to me, it's still not, it's still not as it should be the actual thing. I think you do need to improve, um, the, the quality but it's it's also very difficult with with a lot of these these kids turning over because it's not just good enough to turn over you, you know Terry if you can't if, if you turn over these kids and they're not good enough for the TV promoters and they don't sell tickets they're stuck in the world that's just stuck in the middle of nowhere aren't they they've got they've got no hope and it doesn't matter whether they Small will go into the big hall if you're going to someone like Frank or Eddie Hearn. No, both the same. They expect them to. They want them to sell tickets. And, and they no, no, but that's the same problem that they've got, right? Because you're signing guys now, and you're going, "Well, he's Team GB, therefore he must be good." But no one's ever, no one's, no one's actually watching the fighter and going, "Where's your headroom?" That's always my question with someone. Yeah. Give me someone with five bouts, 20 bouts, it doesn't matter. What I'm looking at is, where's your headroom? What are the things you can learn that yeah. will make you a better fighter, number one? Number two, do I see you being able to operate at world level? So I had an interview yesterday with Donald Smith, who is one yeah. of the trainers at the Matchroom Gym. Yeah. And we're talking about this. And we're saying, there are some people you just meet who, who are special, and you know they're special. And there's some guys you meet and you go, I think you win a Southern Area title, but that's probably your ceiling. And boxers aren't realistic about that ceiling. Fair. I mean, we've got we've got a few kids at the moment who I think are really, really, really decent. We're way above Southern Area level. And you've got, you, you know the ones that are going to go much further. You know that. And you know the ones that have got a good amateur record and just aren't that good. Um, I know we've had a few in the last year. They, they've sort of unraveled as not being that good, yet you would have thought they're going to be good. So it's it's quite a difficult... Some of it's down to training, and some of it's down to having the wrong teams around them. But it, it is very, very difficult to get that. You get the odd what, you get the odd few that come through, and you think, like the Linus Udofi, who had 40-odd amateur fights, he was always going to be very good. Brad Paul's had a lot of amateur fights. He was always going to be very good. So they stood out, in other words, because, you know, you yeah. had... They and, and if you look at those two, Brad, Brad went a long way in national competition. Yeah. Linus, I always remember Linus because he boxed, he boxed Jermaine Brown. Yeah. Oh, did he? And we know what Jermaine Brown's gone on to do. He's a good kid, Jermaine Brown, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so you know that Linus is in high company because I think Jermaine Brown is a... He could realistically challenge for a British title. I think Lions can challenge for a British title. So they're at that level. But yeah. if you look at both of those guys, they came from what I call the old school system, where it was, we're going to give you loads about, so you make all your mistakes now. Yeah. And what, what you're seeing now with them, that aren't as old school, you get to 
Now at this point, I got cut off. So if you want to hear what was said, get across to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast at Highfield Boxing on Twitter. And whilst you're there, you might as well subscribe. They soon got back in touch and we were straight back in. Discuss your ideas of how small ball boxing could have improved in 2020. Ignore the coronavirus. Yeah. Pretend that never happened. How could boxing improve in 2020 at small hall level? So we talked earlier about this. And I said, what, what MTK did is MTK took a guy that was big in Manchester, London. And yeah. so what that did is it brought a Manchester market with a Birmingham market to potentially a London market. And the only way that I, and this is an MTK model, for example, the only way yeah. I see small hall guys doing that is them going, I need to accept sometimes my, my guy is going to be a B-side somewhere else. But as long as I can get something back in return, it all makes sense for us to work together. I just don't think you can be an island in this current era because there's not enough talent for you to to ring fence your guys around, if that makes but sense. But the, MT- the MTK model works because they've got unlimited supplies of money whereas the rest of the promoters don't have that. And that's why that, that can work. I could make that work if I had the money and the money that they had. But if you don't have that money, it's very difficult to do it because the maths of small hall boxing don't add up. And it's different with how they, how they operate to everybody else. No, agreed. But, but now let's look, at it from, let's look at it from what we know is true. MTK aren't going away anytime soon. No, of course so, not. So, so all they're, all, all they're going to do is encroach into your territory. So Correct. If, I'm a, if I'm an MTK guy, I'm looking at Linus Adolphia. I'm looking at all Steve Goodwin's top guys. I'm looking at Errol Johnson's top guys. I'm looking at Steve Wood's top guys and saying, what we, if you come under us, we'll build you. And we'll get no, you, you on know, TV that's, because... that's where No, that's where it differs. And I don't want to get into an anti-MTK, for God's sake, on an open podcast. But no, what they, we, build, we build the fighters from scratch. They just put them in fights. So there's a different model to... I mean, I spoke to Linus in great detail about this. And it's a, they, they operate something totally different. They're providing a product where they will just put everybody in together and the fittest survive, which is fine. It's a great product. That's not what we're doing. We're trying to build, like the Dion Juma of this world, we're trying to build him from where he was on the wilderness to become a British champion and then get a, a decent TV contract and be able to be managed and matched totally the, the way that we want to. They have a different model. They're providing a, re, a good... And to be honest, the shows are good. They have good competitive fights on the shows, and that's great, but it's a totally different thing to what I'm doing. Totally but if different. I can ask a question, Steve, right? Yeah. Who built Dan Aziz if it wasn't MTK? Oh no, Dan, Dan Aziz is one. He hasn't got. He's not there yet. But Dan Aziz, I'm talking about resurrecting a career from somebody that's sitting there with nowhere to go. Dan Aziz is there, but I can, and I don't want to get into it. I'm not going to get in an anti-MTK thing. Absolutely not. I'm telling you where. I'm not going to sit here and say this is where it hasn't gone well. I'm not going to do that because Dan Aziz, absolutely. I mean, but Dan Aziz is so talented. Um, <laughs> you know. The worst manager in the world could probably build down disease because he's so good. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to discuss MTK. Um, what, I, what I would say is they're good at what they do. And that's all. And, so, and I think my point was actually that you've got these two competing ideologies. So if you if you don't get picked up by a big TV promoter, Frank or Eddie, 
Yeah. You then have that choice of, uh, do I go with MTK, where it is kind of sink or swim, but if I back yeah. my talent, I'll get on TV, or do I go with a small hall route where it's a bit more considered, but I might take longer to make it on TV. In fact, I might never make it on TV. You should go with Steve Goodwin at that point. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get. Into, I don't. I don't want to get into uh, the reasons why. I don't. I don't want to do that because I just concentrate on we do. We, we build. We build the champions. We do get fighters onto TV. We do it. If they're not good enough, then they don't. They don't make it. But we give them every chance. There's plenty of fighters that don't make it through because I look at it and think that wasn't a really smart fight to take. And I'm not talking about anybody in general. What we try to do if they've got the talent is I believe that every single fighter that we've got has the has the optimum chance to, to get there. And they will get there, and they do get there in the end. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when we're talking about TV, I don't know what you're classing as TV. If you're classing ESPN Plus as TV, TV is it's where they're doing the golden contract. Yes, that's TV because sponsors will get involved with that. And I think that's very important. And what they've done, their golden contract is fantastic. It's a brilliant concept, but when you've got the money to do something... You can do it. If I became a multi-millionaire overnight, I'm sure I could improve the product tenfold. Does, <clears throat> and I think, and this is a point out that when me and Martin speak a lot, but that's about what I'm talking that. about. That's the end product of the show, as opposed to the management of the fighter's career. They are two totally different things. I don't class myself as a promoter. I class myself as a manager that that is involved with doing shows, not a, no, not no, a promoter. Yeah. So so. And and so this comes back to one of the discussions we had earlier in the podcast before you joined. If you're a, if you're a young prospect, what you're really looking for is, and and it frustrates me because everyone is in a in a rush to get there. Mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes before they're ready. Totally agree. But yeah. it is that yeah, it's that right. Look, I'm knocking people out in sparring. I'm knocking people out in the amateurs. Get me to a British title. Yeah. And MTK is saying, okay, here are your steps. If you can overcome all these steps, that's your British title shot. And so what, from what I'm gathering, what you're saying is sometimes you've got to pull someone back and go, no, 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 build your craft, make it sustainable, then we'll push you through. Because when we get there, we, you know, it's not good enough, Terry, for a fighter. You're giving up your career as an amateur. You're giving up your career as a pro. If you, you know, my, my thing is this. There's no point being a British champion if you should be a European champion. There's no point being an English champion if you should be a British champion. You've got to take those fighters to higher levels than their ability allows them to do. Because otherwise, they might go and get one payday, get beaten up, then they become uh, a glorified journeyman. Um, take, I'll just give you one example. Sir Osgoole, who's just become a glorified Stepping Stone, who was a, supposed to be a big prospect at one point, he just becomes, he goes in the big fights but loses. You know, for me, that's not what I'm about. I'm about, I'm about trying to create the opportunity so that when they get there, they can make, they can become stars and make life-changing money. But I can only do that if I've got the talent that I'm managing to do that. But I don't think that I've ever, I think this is fair, had one boxer who has never reached their potential under me. Wadi Camacho, you could argue, overachieved when he was dead in the water. Frank Bullioni, British champion with that many defences. I know you weren't a fan anyway, but when you look at it back in this... No, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. We've got to stop that for a second. No, that's not fair. No, no, that's not fair. That's not fair. That's not fair. Don't don't accuse him of slander, Terry. For God's sake. (laughs) 
I just said with Frank, no, no, I just said with Frank, the belts are being protected here. And I was uncomfortable with that. No, but listen, whatever it was, when his, when you look back in history and somebody says, this is what happened with Frank Bullioni and this is what he did, a lot of people may say that was very good management. And that's my job. My job isn't to put Frank Bullioni in the hardest British title fight that I can possibly put him in. It's the job to maximise the money he earns and to give him the easy, the relatively the easiest fights he can with the biggest potential to go further. Now, I, with Frank, for example, I wanted to vacate the British title rather than fight uh, Gallagher fight, uh, the Callum Johnson. Callum Johnson. Did you, we could have you wanted him to fight title, Ward, right? We could have got a world title eliminator against somebody from Mexico or Argentina, and he probably have won no. that. Dave, couldn't you have fought Andre Ward, to be fair? Yes, we had the Andre Ward fight offered. Yeah. And, uh, this is good because I can almost revisit my new age boxing podcast days. I love this, man. This is catharsis <laughs> for me. This is like the greatest hits. <laughs> no, no. Well, well, it is. This is what the fans wanted, right? They were just like, how are Terry and Steve not on the same podcast? But it only took a global pandemic for was, it to be no, realized. No, no, no. So the issue with Frank was <laughs> the belts were held hostage. And I think we all knew that as soon as Frank met someone, even at British level, who, who knew what they were doing, he was in trouble. And I have nothing against Frank. I'm just the guy that says, when you've got a British title, let's just represent that belt right. Because it's about a lineage. You want to know that the people that won this British title have won it against good people and have defended it against good people. And no, I'll call out all no, the guys who've had soft defences. Oh, why does the British the title exclusive of any other title? There's plenty of titles that not. get... That... The, job, the job is really simply, right, to make the boxer as much money as you can for them without ripping them off and charging them too much, giving them good guidance, good advice, and maximising their career earnings and maximising what they can win. I'm not there when I manage a fighter to make a good fight for a good fight that the public particularly want. My duty is to that fighter to get him the most money for the least risk. Steve, are you allowed to say on here what money you took off Frank for those fights? No, but it wasn't very much. No, I can't say no, that. Not... But you know, no, I... you know what it is, Martin. You know. No, I know what it was, but I wasn't sure whether you were allowed to. No, I don't it. want to say that because, but, but, but you know, it was really fair. <laughs> More you than fair. That. More than fair. You know, I, I, I could if anyone wanted me to. <laughs> no, but let's not let's not do that because that's. But it's very, it's very fair. You don't know Terry, but it was very fair. No, no, I do. No, you, do you, you know, you know, people trusted me for a bit. They told me. But okay. I, I also well, you know, respect you know, your confidentiality. I like, I like Frank. And he's a very honourable man, and I was glad to be a part of his career. And um, and that was it. But yeah, it's, so going back to it, it's about it's about Wadi Kamatra would never have resurrected his career as he had have done without careful matching. Amen. Uh, no, no, no. But so I'm, now I'm going to step away from being standard Terry podcast guy to just being a fan and going. Now that you put that out in the public, at least now the public understands the the considerations. Now they can say, well, okay, I'm never going to get the fight that I feel I deserve unless they're mandated because manager's job, a manager's job is to, you know, maximize income, minimize risk. And, you know, I Correct. think we all understand that. But we then, we then can't now criticize fans when they go, this fight's bullshit. That that card's bullshit. Because now, can I just say, say, can I say where the difference <laughs> is? Now there is a difference between 
what I do and what you do on Matchroom. I don't like to see the guys on Matchroom fighting the Mexican guy that's going over in a round or two. That's ridiculous. We're talking about competitive fights, but not necessarily the putting fighters in wars all the time. It's just being smart and, and actually looking at, what are you looking at for the fight? Right, I'm really looking after his best interest. What do I want him to have? What makes the most sense for him? It's not about what product am I... Look, we put on good small hall fights at the top of the build. The rest of them are building. But when my fighter wants to move on and I'm trying to get him to British level, it's about being as smart as I can and getting him as much money as I can. But I'm not looking at the model thinking, I've got a contract here with blah, blah TV. I just want to put the fight on. That's all it's about. I'm not really that fussed who wins. It's about just building a product. Now, if that's what we're about. It's trying to say, well... We want to take the fighters above and beyond what their talent should allow them to do. Steve. If I do that and maximise the money, I've done a good job. Steve, can I ask a question? Can I ask a question quickly? Yeah. <laughs> so, so we take a Wadi Camacho, um, top level amateur, represented this country numerous times. Yeah. How how can we say him being Commonwealth champions overachieving? If I can just say something, yeah. I'd, I'd look back at his career and go, how the hell has he not achieved more when guys I, like Stephen Simmons did more, guys like uh, Shane McPhilbin did more? You can blame the managers that had him at the height of his powers. When I got him, it was on the back of three losses and his career was in tatters. So, yes, I totally agree, but by the time I got him, he wasn't the same fighter that he was in his heyday. I got him at the end, right at the end when he was not—he was not the same fighter anymore. Which because I got him on the back when everybody had told him to retire. He'd had three losses. He'd been—he'd lost to Simmons. He'd been stopped by Craig Kennedy twice, and his career was dead in the water. I resurrected a fighter that had gone totally AWOL and got him, and, and resurrected some of the talent that he had. But I didn't have him in his heyday. If he'd been managed well in his heyday, my God, I could have done wonders with him. Well, no, no. Did you resurrect him or did you move him away from the landmine? Did I resurrect him? Well, I think you're resurrecting somebody where everybody told him to retire and he was finished. So that's a resurrection. You then had to, you had to get, with Waddy, you had to get into him as a manager. He's my friend now, Waddy, and, and you had to become his friend because I liked him. You had to get his trust. You had to get, he had to listen to where I thought he should go and be trained in the end. He had to listen to everything. You had to motivate him. You had to be his friend. You had to listen to him. You'd be his... Whatever it was, I had to do. And that was all part of the rejuvenation of him, was actually being part, being that with him and being close to him and helping him. And nobody... And that's what that's what I did with Waddy. And he's still my friend today. He's, he's, he's finished now, obviously, but he's still my friend today. Because I remember when I was... When I was... I, think, I, I can't remember where I was, so I was criticising Hearn, and I said, Wally Camacho was one of Eddie Hearn's day one guys, and he never seemed to look after him once he, he got to a certain level. And that always upset me, because Wally was there. If you look at the Hearn cards from, I think it's like 2013, 2014, yeah. 2012, Wally's there, and then you're like, well, Eddie, you've looked after everyone else. You've thrown everyone else a bone, but you kind of left Wally Camacho to to just drift away, which always upset me because, number one, I like Wadi. I think he's, uh, and I'll he's one you, of the characters and I, tell, and I will tell you off air what happened, but I'm not going to say it on air. Okay, no, no, well, you know, we're, we're, we're due a beer, so we can do that. 
hundred percent. But there's a lot. There's Steve. a bigger story to that Woody Camacho thing. Yeah. Steve, can I ask you a question that you're more than welcome not to answer? Go on. And I probably know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. In terms of when you have a f- promoter and you see them doing interviews where they start talking about the fighter's future and fights they may or may not take, as a yeah. manager, does, does that frustrate slash piss you off? Yes. <laughs> totally. Because it's got nothing to do with them. And it builds a false expectation as to what's possibly going to happen. Because what happens is, <clears throat> I said this to Dion Juma, and I can say this, right? Eddie Hearn doesn't want Dion Juma, has no interest in him whatsoever, right? <laughs> I was doesn't never going to bring this up. Doesn't want him to be on the A side, doesn't want him really to be on the B side. I don't know why. I don't know why. But I said to Dion, once he wins the British title, Eddie will want to be his best friend, Right? And then Eddie will talk as if he's guiding Dion Juma's career if he becomes the champion, right? That's what's going to happen. But this bullshit. I'm guiding Dion Juma's career. I'm doing it. It's just that that's how it works. Frank, <laughs> Frank, Frank does the same thing, but you talk as if you're sitting there and thinking, that is really not happening. No, that's not what we're going to do. And blah, blah, blah. But maybe it is. it does piss me off because you just think, right. but it, it's part of it's part of what happens. The reference points I was thinking of were back to when Hearn was thinking of like Buglioni versus Kovalev and he would talk about that potential fight. I know. Do you remember that? And right? I and I knew I knew that wasn't gonna happen because I've spoken with you. And yet I watched an IFL interview where he was talking about the potential of it happening. And it was never happening. No, Not I know it wasn't. Years. Not for the money that was on offer anyway. And yet we were listening to IFL interviews at the time whereby it was potentially happening and I knew it wasn't going to. Yeah, that, so is, therefore what, what is we that, do is don't listen to it. Is when, when promoters do that, is that to try and wrestle some control or is it just to look like they're in control? You need to ask them. Because <laughs> God knows what I just... I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're promoted by the promoter, but... In all the contracts that I have, which I don't know whether that's the same with all managers, and maybe that's why I piss off some people, is I insist on the ultimate control of the fights. I do not sign away the rights to any promoter to tell us who we're fighting. I always have a veto. Um, going, uh, Steve, we, we talked to, uh, quite a lot on this, uh, the front end of this pod, about... Um, what this lockdown, this coronavirus is going to do to the future of boxing. And we briefly touched on it at the beginning of when you when you came on. But if you had to predict what's going to happen to the sport of boxing on the small and the sort of big hall scene, if you like, or the major major side of things, what can you what could you think is going to happen? Well, the first thing is it depends on. Well, also for me, I'm in lockdown for God knows how long I'm going to be in lockdown, but. It depends on whether whether there is a medical um, situation that will that will be able to save people from the coronavirus. So if they can bring medicine out, and I know there's talk of, in various areas, they've got this drug at the moment they're looking at. If they can bring that out quite quickly and within the three months that Boris Johnson seems to be talking about today, then the damage won't be that bad. It'll be bad, but not that bad. So it'll probably take six, seven months to get back. If, however, there is no 
there is no virus, there is no uh, medical science, and we're just playing the numbers game of trying to use the summer to play down the virus, and the virus is going to come back in October, November. I can see small hall boxing being out for over a year. Is that why? Because nobody will be able to buy a ticket. They won't have the money. They'll be. They'll have the people scared, and those that do go out. Um, are not going to have the money because firms still won't be trading properly. So I think it all depends on what happens with the medical situation and the virus. But depending, I mean, if we don't get a cure for 12 to 18 months, then, then small hall boxing is in real trouble. Well, but, well, I, got, I mean, that's a think, depressing thought, isn't it? <laughs> I, I described it, Steve, as every other sport, like football, has a base salary. Yeah. Whereas boxing doesn't have um, anything like that. No. Because, like, in football, you would end up with the Premier League would get X amount from Sky, X amount from BT. There's nothing like that for you, like, is there? It's... No. I mean, I spoke to a lot of other promoters and managers. It's people like Errol Johnson, who takes a full-time income out of boxing. And he just said, this will ruin him. Yeah. You don't think he'll get back in recover. And and a lot of others would as well, because there's a lot of people in boxing who are going to exit boxing if yeah. if this doesn't get resolved quickly. And because I can't see, and I, I know people class me, <clears throat> I know I have a disagreement with Jamie Spate on this because he thinks this is so overdramatic, but it's not. I mean, it, you know, the people don't understand the, the economic implications of what the government's having to do with throwing money at small businesses, giving money, giving mortgage holidays, giving this. This money's all got to be paid back. And people are going to be without jobs. And <clears throat> when, for example, when they go back to work, they're going to be doing this with debt and owing money. They're not going to be shelving out loads of money for small hall boxing. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. So promoters, if they want to stage fights, are going to do it to half-empty halls. Who's going to do that? Boxers aren't going to sell the required amount of tickets to cover it. The board are not going to give any <clears throat> any um, reduction on their fees because they'll be chasing their fees. They'll probably put them up. <clears throat> so the squeeze will be too great. And the margins as they stand at the moment are so narrow. And that's now. Another another factor that... Well, that's Mark- a good thing. Well, hold on. No, no, no. That's a good thing, right? Because... And let me choose my words carefully because I people Why break the habit of a lifetime? A <laughs> <laughs> no, no. There's a, there's a lot of detritus that you see on small hall cards. And I, I speak as someone that's traveled across the country. There are, there are guys that shouldn't be doing this because it's just not worth it. And yep. maybe the tougher economic climate will say, well, actually, we need to revisit how we do this. And you ask your question... In a tightened economy where people have less money, how do we draw people in? And it, let me not talk about who deserves the box and who doesn't deserve the box. It's not my place. But it will force promoters, the, the custodians of the product, to ask this question. What can I put together that will get the fans to come through the door? And I think it, it should force a, a raising of the level. And that's can, what I tell like you something, can I tell you something, too, about small law boxing? I'll happily go through this with you in more detail. And this is God's honest truth, this, right? Martin will tell you this. I can put the worst show on in the world, right, with a bunch of four-rounders against journeymen, right? And I will sell four times the tickets to the general public on that show than I would do if I put on two English titles and a Southern area title and 50-50 fights. 
I can because, confirm that. Because of, because of the date. In right? March. Yeah, well, yeah, well, we got them all booked up anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So we've got, <laughs> we, we basically, and there's other dates as well, you sell on the date, not on the fights. I can put the best card out, right? And it doesn't, and the amount of sales for that card will be worse than an absolute shite card that I wouldn't even get out of. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, no, no. So, so, so that's the point really I'm just trying point. to say is, it's about, it's, so I understand in principle, but if you actually, if you actually go and look at all the numbers that we do and the market we do, it tells a totally different story because I can put, if I put it on, on the wrong part where people don't go, there are certain times a year people go more than they go others. It doesn't sell. So therefore, that is not what solves the pro- that is not what makes the um, the product go. Now, if I tell you, for example, in March, the fourth, the third, the show that got aborted, which was Eudophia against Brennan, was um, Wahomey against um, Liam, Dillon. Liam Dillon, had uh, Sean Robinson, Adrian Martin, really good 50-50 fights. Had two other 50, so we had five 50-50 fights on. Well, I don't think lives were 50-50s, but English title fights on. And we had the 7th of March, two weeks before, that had a pile of four and six rounders on it. The 7th of March oversold the 21st of March by three to one. And that's purely because of the date? Purely because of the date. And that's but, oh, no, no, wait, 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 no, we, we need... Here's me being the the data analyst that that I, I pretend that I am. <laughs> it depends, right? You you can have a approach that says, look, based on how we currently look at things, this is what works, this is what doesn't work. But there's always a question that says, are we looking at the right things? Are we looking at the right triggers? Are we looking at the right responses? I don't know the right answer to that, Steve. No, the, the answer is I've got, is I've got data, Trevi, I've got data going back ten years, and that's what I do, right? So the boxing side. The boxing side of things about who throws the best left hook, who's the most talented, right? I bow to your better judgment because you are an experienced man. You know boxers. You know boxing. You're, I mean, whilst I think I'm a fair judge, you're an excellent judge. In terms of data, analyst, financial stuff, da di da di da I'm an expert. Steve, I'd be interested to ask. No, if- wait, wait, no, no, wait, wait, wait. So I know in terms of I know in terms of what we've done to sell something, and I find it crazy because I we should put on better cards and we will sell more tickets to the public. But when you reach the household names like AJ, it's a totally different angle. When you're dealing with people that are not household names, it doesn't necessarily work. Now, for example, when Joe Gallagher put on Sam Hyde against Dion Juma, that's a cracking fight in Manchester, right? 450 people was in the arena. Wow. 450 people. Why was it? I'll tell you why there was 400. Do you want to know why there was 450 people in the arena? Because it was a tenth for the month or something, I don't know. No, I 19th of January <laughs> doesn't sell. Uh... So, uh, yeah. so no, 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 so, so, so those bits I, I agree with, but what I'm saying is, and there are, there are places where I'll bow to experts, so if you have data on ticket sales, I'll always bow to that. I've got data to go back 10 years of every single show that's ever, you know, that's, that's done, so yeah, but, but yeah, yeah so, no, but, but I do, yeah, no, I no. tell you, I do agree with you, I do agree with you in principle, but when it comes back, it's all about, honestly, it's all about 
Um, I've, got, I've got a kid called Amarkiani, right? It's a good ticket seller. He's actually really talented as well, which is handy. Um, yeah, he's a good lad. And But yeah, but he will fill up, he will do hundreds of tickets, right? Because he's very popular, blah, blah, blah. Then you've got another kid who could be in the best fight ever. And I'm talking about southern areas in a 50 50 first ever title fight. He'd probably do 40 tickets. And nobody really would buy, yet, yet the fight might be fantastic. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question, right? And, and what we've done in this conversation, I think, Steve, is at various points you've jumped between manager and promoter. Yeah, which I'm is talking about different angles, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you've jumped between... Pro- As a manager, the ticket seller's cool up until a certain point. So uh, let me let me choose my words carefully. So like a Florian Marku, and yeah. I know you worked with him in the past. I don't know if you currently yeah. do. But Florian Marku, great ticket seller, but it's a ceiling to what he can achieve in boxing, right? Agreed. But as a manager, what you're looking for is the guy that's got limitless headroom where you're like, like a Linus Adolfia. For me, Linus is the guy I look at and I go, I'd put him in a British title fight at some point in the next 12 to 18 months. Totally agree. Agree with that. And so, yeah. and so when we're having this conversation, I know you're talking about ticket sellers making things profitable. And as a promoter, that's what you, you care about. But as a manager, you're looking at who can I take to those places where this is where it gets memorable, where you're doing big pay-per-view. I totally agree. Totally agree. The only thing is to get to that memorable place, they've got to be a ticket seller to get there. You can't take, I mean, take your boxer, the one that you, that you brought to me, John Pilata, right? Who had, <laughs> Oh God, no, are no, 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 no. I like John, but he had plenty of talent. So right? we accept that he had plenty of talent, struggled like mad to sell a ticket. He was a very, he could, he really struggled. So, it's it's and and didn't in my opinion have in the end have the right it just all went wrong for him in terms of the setup but but the whole thing was sometimes the talented kids just don't get there but Linus was easier to do because he would just roll along sell his tickets didn't feel financial pressure had sponsorship he would make money every, he would make good money every time he had a fight he we could build him without any pressure he knew what he was doing he was happy with what he was earning. It made the whole trends, the whole job smoother. So he played a major part in that as well. Can I just touch on the John thing? Because I think if you the, the listenership, this is the bit they've waited for. Um, here's the thing I, I have with John. And bear in mind, I've known John since 2014. No, I've I know, known John I know, since you're 2012. Friends, you're, you're close with him, yeah. I know, you're close. John, John's like a young brother to me. So for me, yeah. the issue with John was John went to a trainer who I really respect as a man but try to turn John into someone that he's not. Right. And and so before we'd gone to... Let's see how I'm going to mention names. Is that sort of podcast? Before he'd gone <laughs> to Don... Yeah. No, no, before John had gone to Don, John and I had spoken. I said... And that is where my battery ran out. So if you want to hear the rest of the podcast, get across to Highfield Boxing, if you haven't already listened to it, so you can hear what happened next. From myself, from Martin, from Terry, and from our unscheduled special guest, Steve Goodwin, goodbye.